0: You understand the meaning of the word foreboding? As in badness is happening right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. far too kind.
1: Boy, oh, you guys are a hell of a duet here.
0: Why'd you start harmonizing? Can I get an encore?
2: Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need you
0: Because lobsters live for over 100 years.
3: Now what the hell are you waiting for? After me, there should be no more. So for one last time, make some noise
1: that's for john lennon you yankee fucking cunt
0: if you are serious about making a run for it i'm with you
2: we must keep going the snow is blinding us. don't you
1: see this is perfect they'll never find us like this we're lost <laughs>
0: We can barely feed ourselves. She comes with us. We'll kill us, so we're already dying. It's uh, like chicken. Yeah, a big black poisonous chicken with no legs. My oh, wife will never be able to forgive ourselves. I have to get back. Go over the Himalayas? How? We work.
3: Hello, everybody. This is above the title. Your favorite podcast about the uh, the career of our favorite Irish actor, Colin Farrell. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Is his favorite too uh, too specific for uh, we, Cole and I? Both enjoy the careers of many Irish actors out there, um, but yeah, one I, of our favorite actors. I in don't general...
1: actually know if he's my favorite Irish actor. He's <laughs> definitely in contention. Like yeah, it's, it's him and someone else.
3: I don't know if I would uh the the like four guys that I hold at the top, I don't know if I would rank them, but like oh. Colin Farrell, one of our favorite actors in general, and uh this is our podcast about the state of the 21st century movie star. Um Ooh. I'm Connor. I'm Cole. Hey Connor. Uh we have our guest Cole. Do you want to introduce our, our returning guest today?
1: Uh yeah. Um joining us in the podcast is <laughs> our first returning guest. Uh, he says
2: with a tremendous sigh
1: (laughs) you mark i'm not not enthusiastic because you're on i'm not enthusiastic because now i am on a, a, a trek equivalent to the events of the film we're discussing today except instead of moving away from siberia it's us moving away from the last time we talked about a good movie on this podcast
3: Which was,
1: uh... I mean, honestly, okay.
3: What, in Bruges? Was that the last good movie? So,
1: I would give a tentative thumbs up to Dr. Parnassus. But Dr. Parnassus is fucking exhausting, right? (laughs) I think the actual, like, last undeniable, like, thumbs up good movie we talked about was in Bruges, which was two months ago.
3: That's cool. Well, that's also partially like uh, us not recording
1: for a while. Sure. Yeah. I feel defeated. I feel like Ed Harris in the third act of the film The Way Back. <laughs> not wanting to go on.
2: I feel like um, you, just have, you just have to keep walking, Cole. You just have to keep walking. Uh, You'll get there. Uh, Mark Tilly yeah. is on the show today. Peyton first, and Jim Sturgis. You just our first get returning
1: guest. Uh, you know him sh- from the SWAT episode a movie that is about as good as the way back uh all right well, yeah this is kind of wild i don't i, like I don't this
3: think movie. this is a bad movie this isn't my favorite movie by any means but i don't think this is a bad movie i'm 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 shocked that you're coming out of the gate with this energy right
1: now i'll I we'll get into don't it. think this is the worst movie we've talked about i don't think it's that's not a, that's not even a question it's not the worst movie we've talked about it's probably bottom 5
3: wow okay like it. very interesting very, like What uh, What do
1: I actually like less than look, this? Look, if anybody
3: who's ever listened
2: to this knows Cole at all, you know Cole was never going to like this movie. This is not rocket science. It's not. Yeah. This I, is I not,
3: this is not your that. cup of tea. But bottom <laughs> oh, five, right? considering some of the movies we've seen, bottom five is, I mean, is a I, bold take. I do American feel Atlas like is
1: worse. Alexander's worse. I don't know if anything else is worse.
3: I think Cassandra's Dream is worse. Uh, mm, what have we looked at? No. I need to go look at the list. You don't think so? You think Cassandra's Dream is better than this? Uh, Do you probably. like to recruit
1: more than this? Definitely. Are you
3: shitting me? That's yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Do you, um, what about Daredevil? Do you like Daredevil better oh, than this? Oh, you know
1: what? Mm, bottom six, maybe. Daredevil has an Evanescence needle drop in it. True. Pride and Glory is worse than this movie. Pride and Glory has a bunch of guys. The difference, Pride and Glory was the one I was thinking of and I'm neck to neck in. And the difference between this and Pride and Glory is as bad as Pride and Glory is, I constantly get to, like, have the character actor perk up in Pride and Glory, you know? Like, there are so many boys in Pride and Glory. You're just like, oh, hell yeah are there Fucking more boys Shea in Williams pride and glory the...
3: oh i mean yeah okay i, I was this one i forgot all the
1: boys i
3: forgot about the like the frank grillo and Shea Yeah, Wigo, you're just like, like, and, like every uh, five minutes john in pride ortiz of glory, like the, another
1: yeah. character actor shows up and you're like oh good. good and that movie stinks yeah it does sound good though
3: yeah this is uh this is i don't <laughs> i don't know where this conversation is going to go yeah. because um, sorry, I just bumped into this desk that I'm not used to here. <laughs> I don't know where this conversation is going to go because I think I like this film more, much more than probably the majority of the films we have seen so, thus far, especially That's... compared to uh, Crazy Heart, which we talked about most recently, or like things in the buildup from, man, I don't know, things from, things from the post-Miami Vice uh, run that we've been on uh, excluding In Bruges, I would say I like this film more than every other one that we have looked at over the course wild. of
1: this period. That's so wild. Well, Mark, Mark, have we did, introduced
3: you the film that we are talking about at this uh, current moment in time? We haven't, uh, today yeah. we are
1: talking about the uh, 2010 film, The Way Back, uh, directed by Peter Weir in his final film. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not dead yet, but by all... Looking in- like... Yeah. By right. all indications, yeah. there is there is not going to be another Peter Weir film. Um, yeah, he as does of not, uh, this, year, he does
3: not seem committed towards making yeah, another film.
1: As of this year, which is 2023, because who knows when this episode's going to come out? Um, Peter Weir has gone from nebulously maybe going to make another movie again to officially calling himself retired. So. Yeah. Hmm. And, and like uh, a tip of the hat to him for that. Like, I and a you tip know, of the hat to him for that. He's was a he was he at like a Q and A or something when
3: he said that, or it was a
1: Ethan. He oh,
2: it was a it was a screening or something, or he was at a festival. I don't know. I remember him being just like, the "I am context. most likely done.
1: He um... got last year. Sorry, so last year he said this. Um He got an honorary award at the Oscars last year, uh, mm-hmm. and he did a little press around that, and that's when he said. Um, what's the quote? Can I read you this quote? Mark, you're going to love this quote. Like Mark, like emotionally prepare yourself for what I'm about to say. For film directors like Volcanoes, there are three major stages, active, dormant, and extinct. I think I've reached the latter. Another generation is out there calling action and luck and good luck, action and cut and good luck to them. Uh, yeah, directed by Peter Weir, written by Peter Weir and Keith Clark. Uh, based on the memoir in the <laughs> heaviest air quotes I could possibly drop by uh, Slavomir Ralex, I would guess. I We've talked about my inability to pronounce Polish uh, on this <laughs> podcast before. Um, starring Jim Sturgis, Ed Harris, Saoirse Ronan, Colin Farrow, Far- Farrell, 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 <laughs> Farrell, uh, Drago Spooker, and Mark Strong. I'm still not uh, getting over like you guys saying
2: our favorite actor our favorite irish actor colin farrell and then immediately being like
0: no he's not
3: it took well, this many episodes well to be like, i think it would be more like i don't want to discount you guys, yeah i don't want to discount other irish actors that, specifically, it like, specifically long, two that we've already talked about that cole a, and i have like a deep-rooted to admit movie.
1: yeah it's true yeah that's fair that's I mean, fair. this podcast has been a long journey towards me making the argument that Colin Farrell is not a movie star. Yeah. I, I texted you, Mark, the this other day. This movie does an interesting
2: thing in terms of him being a movie star. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or I might or say it's like the, in the terms only of, interesting
1: thing this no, movie does. Or
2: I would make an opposite argument. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll, okay. we'll talk about
1: I, it. I texted Mark the other day after I saw Gran Turismo based on a true story. Um. This should be called the way Back based on a true story. By the way, um, yeah, based on a true story. I texted Mark that. Well, I don't think David Harbor is a very good actor. He like undeniably has fucking movie star juice like coming out of his pores. And then I said he's he's reverse Colin Farrell. Mm. Yeah, I have to see it. Don't you? Don't you? Really? No, it's, not. Great. It's, it's great. It's bad. It's great. It's you don't boring. think
3: even in preparation for Ferrari just to watch every single car racing movie if, ever made. If you
1: want to do that, you're welcome
3: to it. I've been binging the Formula 1 show on on Netflix Did you... oh, just God, to be my prepared. My mom's
2: obsessed with that fucking. My mom's obsessed with that show. She once a um, week she tells me to watch Drive
1: to Survive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> once a week.
1: This is another one of the like quiet Oscar nominees we're talking about. Uh this movie snuck into a best makeup nomination. Yeah? Which, the makeup is good. Good, it's good. It The makeup yeah. is undeniably good. Uh, which means this movie is tangentially related to one of my all-time favorite Oscar moments. Because uh, the movie...
3: Uh, what is this, 2010?
1: This is 2010. Yeah. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? This movie loses it's, best uh, makeup.
3: Benicio Del Toro? Well,
1: right? you're, you're on the yeah. right track. This movie loses best makeup to Joe Johnson's Wolfman remake. A movie I have admittedly never seen. But uh, you know who did the makeup for that movie?
3: I don't know who did the makeup for that.
1: Fucking Rick Baker did the makeup Rick for Baker. that movie. Like, we don't we don't shit oh. on Rick Baker in this house. No. Every Rick Baker Oscar is a good Oscar, even if I've never seen the movie. But um, that movie
2: famously also, like, ditches so much of the Rick Baker and goes, you know.
1: At the Oscars, when someone's, like, presenting an Oscar, they'll read the nominees. And they, like, read a nominee and then some sort of clip plays, right? And then they move on to the next nominee. When this Oscar, the 2010 best makeup Oscar that the way back is being nominated for is being handed out. The last title read is the Wolfman and it's Kate Blanchett. Like presenting it. And she says, Rick Baker and Rick Baker's the other person in it, the Wolfman. And they play a clip from the Wolfman and then Kate Blanchett goes gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, that's probably the best legacy of the way back is that it's, adjacent to that great oscar moment i love kate blanchett man remember we uh, talked to kate blanchett on this podcast that was so much fun it's well, a
3: shame we're not uh yeah. it's a shame we're not she's not going to come up again uh at yeah. least anytime soon i mean maybe somewhere off in the far future
1: i watched uh i watched above the title endorsed masterpiece oceans eight last night um good movie yeah good movie I, we got to actually settle this right now though by the way um When we got into our oceans conversation on this podcast, Connor. Yeah. You said that one of the reasons you don't like Oceans Eleven as much as twelve or eight is that they spend so much money on the heist that it's not like interesting to them.
3: Yeah, so you're gonna say like they also spend The amount of money
1: they expend in the Oceans eight heist is ridiculous. It starts (laughs) with them getting just like buying the world's most advanced 3d printer off amazon
3: i think it's the i think it's the emp thing that throws me off in oceans 11 because that just seems they like steal the emp, they it's,
1: steal the EMP. It's i
3: know a but it's such business. a it's such a like sci-fi catch-all to their whatever issues that they're having um, but the only
1: reason they have to steal the emp is because they're doing construction in the fucking sewers so basher can't just blow the main like he wanted to
3: i understand that but it's it's again like i'm saying like it's a to me it's like a science fiction like fantasy um addition to to
1: emps, are real, Connor. EMPs are real Kyle. <laughs> yeah
3: it's just the, it's the it's like the manner <laughs> the manner and how they're like oh we can easily just like get a hold of this and it's uh, that easy yeah.
1: it's the it's the most dangerous thing they do is steal the emp i guess so fucking damon that's Damon's best seat. We're going to try. Everything about
3: it. in uh Well, I just. I enjoy. I enjoy like the aesthetic vibe of 12 more than 11. Oh, like I'm the not fact disputing, that they're in Europe. I'm and, not disputing as 12 over, over
1: 11. I'm and, disputing 8 over 11. That's a little insane. And I love Ocean's Eight. I don't know. I, I, Oceans, 8 Oceans, 8.
3: 8, Ocean's Eight cooks for me in a way that 11 doesn't cook. Yeah. That's.
1: <laughs> again, as, as, as I'm. Until James Corden Oceans shows
3: up, 8. and then I'm like, oh no
1: can I can I give you a hot but take but he
3: said it with conviction
2: and i have to respect Corden, that even corden's, though i haven't seen
1: cordens oceans 8. good
2: in oceans 8
1: it's just the baggage he shows yeah. up and it's like i oh, remember no. being so upset the first time i saw it and he showed up and i was like oh <laughs> no but watching it the second time i'm like cordens like having some fun in this movie it's a good performance i
2: remember when you saw it we were at a Five guys and you were telling me about it you said the same thing then and you're saying it now yeah
1: have <laughs> now. you seen Mark, you've seen Logan Lucky, right? Yes. Anytime. James Corden basically plays Hillary Swank in Logan Lucky. Okay. Like that's there's weird. an ex- <laughs> there's an extended post heist coda that's about how they like get everyone off their trail. Like it's the exact same conceit in those two movies. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just Logan Lucky, what a picture! A year later. My Logan Lucky.
3: We gotta yeah. end up doing. We're gonna end up doing that at some point. Right. Oh, there's
1: too many people. Yeah, right.
3: Yeah, there's like almost no way we can't end up doing that one. Uh,
1: you chain Tate. What a picture! I wish. Yeah, yeah I want to do Tate. Cha- I want to do yeah. yeah. Tate. Thing. I really do. Uh, the Way Back. The Way Back is a movie that exists. Oh come on! You can come up with more than that, Cole. I'm. I am. This come movie, Mark. Fucking, are you sure
3: you don't want to recap it? Because we're gonna leave it to this guy. defeated. We're I gonna
1: leave it to Cold. This movie fucking just it's not a hard recap cole come on this it's not a hard recap uh do we have anything we want to say before i recap it mark why'd you pick this episode i know why but tell me why well
2: i like so like swat was a movie i watched like like similarly to connor like dozens of times when i was a kid and this is a movie i'd only seen once before and i saw it and i did i watched all peter rare's movies um during quarantine and i watched it then and because it was the last one and i Really, really, really fell in love with his sort of filmography when I was watching all his movies. Um I, Only one I didn't watch was the slasher one he did in Australia. He did like the plumber. Uh, the or plumber. Something. I didn't watch the plumber. I couldn't. Get Is it that either. his first
3: film? It's
1: his second. The his second, second movie film. after the cars who ate Paris. What about Homestead? Uh, yeah. be- I thought Homestead was before Cars Who Ate Paris. Yeah, two.
0: I
2: don't know. Homestead. Yeah. Homestead. like, watch- Homestead's nice like the, sort the of like, like
1: hour-long movie. student film he did.
2: Yeah, it's nice to have maybe. The plumber and homestead back there. Yeah. I mean, you go back and revisit.
1: But I don't I know. The plumber's,
3: about... uh, the plumber's like his fifth film. Okay. So, yeah. Well, sounds it. like Mark he's doesn't thinking, know what he's doing. The like plumber's Mark, after
2: like, Hanging Rock, like Amos, four years later. famous, uncompletest. Um, you know
1: what's a good movie? What? Picnic and Hanging Rock. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what a good time. <laughs> but I, I got to the
2: end of his movies and I watched this and I actually, like, you know, sure, like, Uh, master commander would be like sort of a a better movie to go out on but this just feels like a very sort of complete filmography in terms of Mm -hmm. what i think the peter weir thing is it completes it very nicely um because i i think peter weir's whole contribution and sort of his specific thing that he gives to cinema is sort of his control over like atmosphere and sort of like Uh, physical elements uh, and the way he photographs them and takes those on. So this feels like a really sort of, because for me, like the Peter Weir thing really starts with like Hanging Rock and Gallipoli and those two movies, which are like in sort of like forests and deserts. Um, This movie coming back and hitting those. And I did, it was like very emotionally affecting. I think it is because it's about, I was watching it during COVID. It's about people who are stuck outside. Uh, and not stuck inside, but stuck in sort of the elements. It was, look, it's like, not like, it's not like tremendous. It's not like some hidden masterpiece, but there's like a very sturdy hand sort of at work in this movie. And you can call it boring, which is, I know what you're going to say. You're going to think it's boring, but I think it it discredits, that discredits a lot of sort of the, the the craftsmanship that he brings to um, photographing, and capturing the atmospheres of these landscapes that he does, which is, I think, affecting, and I think it's what he's good at, and I've always thought he's good at it. Um, so, but look, the movie's a little boring at times. so I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but it still like makes one. But there's, I, I like having it on, even though it's. It is very overbearing and very hard this, to watch. This movie I'm, makes one
1: long for the sense of playfulness of Alejandro González too Oh boy, is, is what I, I would say
3: about oh this movie. Gosh. I'm going to come off as like scaldingly hot on this film compared to Cole, Not but I, yeah, but <laughs> I sounded so. There's serious a I
2: hate sounding serious.
3: There's an aspect to Peter Weir where he is like achingly humanistic in everything that he portrays especially um from the mosquito coast on where he kind of has uh more agency over what he's choosing to um direct in terms of hollywood films i think the mosquito yeah. coast is his first hollywood film no no is no the year
1: of living dangerously
3: yes yes yeah. it's the, the year of living dangerously never mind but i think um he he makes he makes authorial choices in his representation of this story in the way back that yes like actively stray away from what a more visually or just like sensibly provocative filmmaker might do like alejandro uh energy too um but i i think i think he's making those choices because like deep down what he's really trying to tell is uh is is a, a very subtle human story and he's almost trying to mute the magnitudes of the grotesque that like could come through in a story of such as this. That's my take on it.
1: Can we just get this out of the way
2: right here? And I'm, no, we're going to be so sincere about this movie. That's fine. Be sincere. I love it
1: when people are sincere. Uh, If anything, my problem with this movie is that I think this movie is like aggressively cynical. uh, And, and yeah. And soulless. Wow. Um, Wow, wow, okay. Can we, can we get this <laughs> out of, And Mark, I know you think that this is just a thing I do to like piss you off, but this is 100% true. I want to like set this out there. I don't get the Peter Weir thing. Sure. And that's not that I don't think Peter Weir is a good director. Peter Weir is a good filmmaker who's made a couple of movies I really love. But what I don't understand And I've truly never understood. And I've been like, it's one of those things that I've like only really like started to put terms to how baffling I find this. Is the idea that people care about Peter Weir as an artist is baffling to me because I was thinking about Hearts War when I was watching this, right? Yes, yes. Because it's the other P.O.W. movie Mm -hmm. we've talked about.
3: A pretty direct Uh, uh, comparison to this.
1: Yeah, no one would... There aren't super yucky shirts about how good Greg Hoblet is, right? But I think Greg Hoblet and Peter Weir are like the same filmmaker, even if Peter Weir's just a little better. They're Mm -hmm. like functional 90s middle-brow craftsmen, right? Like if Ron Howard's like the bottom tier of this... Then Peter Weir's probably near the top tier of this, but they're, like, not – I've never understood why people think he's an interesting filmmaker to talk about. He made, like, fine studio movies, some of which are very good, some of which suck.
2: Sure, um, okay,
1: but I'm telling you, like – I don't get it. I don't get it with it. Okay. I don't get the cult of personality around it. Okay, like, have you have you seen, like, Fearless – I've never seen fearless
2: watch fearless have you seen Conner the last loves wave? Fearless.
3: I literally brought that up last I feel like yeah. you've
2: seen you've seen sort of like you've seen pit the hang rock like, pit the hang rock great you know you're like yeah treatment show great Deadpool pretty good you know whatever like I know yeah. you like you know what I'm saying Master commander fine witness boring quite I don't good
1: get it. no no witness has been boring but witness is like a good Harrison Ford vehicle you know like yeah like who's almost like an equitable director to compare him to? This is, I'm thinking when I'm watching this movie, and you're gonna say
2: you're gonna say I'm fucking crazy, but I, like it. I was thinking about him and his filmography compared to other filmmakers, and I'm not saying he's the best filmmaker of all time, but he is like he is using. I feel like a different language than other people do. Where he, the, the, what's special about him is what he's able to tap into. Um, and sort of like how he makes environments mysterious, whether it's, you know, a picnic hanging rock or whether he's able to make, I don't think the way back is not his most successful version of this by any means. It's not, but mm-hmm. what I was speaking of is because it's a, a thing he returns to in sort of his what, intentional or unintentional final movie, which is why it feels fitting. But like, watch Gallipoli. Gallipoli's about these two guys who decide to like, walk across a desert, and they like, fall in love, and then they have to go and sort of, that's a, that's a cynical movie. Like, watch Gallipoli. This movie is like his bleeding heart, like you No. Know. No, this movie yeah, is like his bleeding heart, like just love your fellow man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. it, are, do you think it's cynical and that this guy returns to his wife who sold him out to the Gulag <laughs> and like yeah. after all this yeah. time? It's a weird button, but like, <laughs> um.
1: I I think this movie is cynical because it feels from like the ground up only existing to serve this like level of virulent anti-communism that feels decades out of place for a movie made in 2010. Like, what are we doing here? I was like, I was like so shocked by how much this felt like something that J. Edgar Hoover goes through in so many ways. That <laughs> no, I'm sure, like, but like, did, did, I think
2: he's did not- Peter he's Weir placing...
1: retire because Peter Weir is a, Obama no. is the reincarnation of Lennon Whoa. guy. You Whoa. know, like, this <laughs> movie <laughs> is so- Such like bracingly like grotesque right wing propaganda. I was like, I'm like, what are we doing (laughs) with this thing? No, you you're being ridiculous. Yeah. You have to think about
2: you have to think about what Connor was talking about. If you've as Connor a connoisseur of more of the larger Peter Weir filmography. and He's made some really cynical films, I think. Mosquito Coast is a very cynical movie. You're Living Eat Dangerously is a very cynical movie. This movie is like, but he's always sort of like placing his characters in the time and place. That they, you know what I'm saying? He's taking sure. these guys' interpretation of the world at face value. And you would say that like you're still being right wing, you know what I'm saying? But like But this movie he's is but, but then
1: we get into the complexities of this movie, which is that this movie is a like bold-faced endorsement of what is literally anti-communist propaganda right like you can't say you're putting these characters in the time and place when this movie which presents itself as a true story is documentally bullshit right well i think you
3: you, you have to separate communism from stalinism because that's a, you but no, know but
1: this movie isn't anti-stalinist this movie's anti I think it's anti-Stalinist, I but they're not using that language in
3: 1943 or 1944, whenever this, this film is place. Think about the place. title cards.
1: I'm thinking about the title cards here. Sure.
3: But like, even think about the way- I they- think it's more like, if you're talking about the end of the film, and maybe we should talk about this more after you do the plot synopsis, yeah. but I think- that entire sequence at the film's ending is supposed to illustrate how impossible it was for this man to ret- to even, like, return to Poland based off of this thing that happened in the 40s. But he, but he could have returned to Poland. But he could he, have. Yeah, yeah, but he would have had to sign signed the fucking waiver. He would have had to have had yeah, admitted
2: I to don't being think a, he, a spy. I don't think he could have. You know have. what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Like, no, because, because... No, but this is my point. He could have returned to Poland because... He wasn't a prisoner anymore because he never actually escaped from jail. Like that's what I'm saying is like. I think the scene. You can What do you mean?
3: On. I don't understand what you mean. I don't I understand this. The the uh, the mechanics of what you are saying right now.
1: The yeah. the story this movie is based on is bullshit.
3: Yes, I, I it's get that. Documentedly yeah. bullshit. Which we to, again we should probably get into later. Look, well, yeah. yeah,
1: but. To to place then this story that you're telling within this broader historical context is to say that this story is true. But the story is not true. I don't think it has true. to. I don't think, I think it no, does. I, I think, think if you end with, like, and he had to walk around the world as we watch historical documentation of the next 50 years of the USSR. Is to say it's truthful. And then you can't say, well, he, that what it's saying is he couldn't go home because it's fiction. So the idea is. Okay, whoa, whoa, (laughs) whoa. If communism is the fall of communism is good because it meant this guy can go home. But this guy never actually existed, right? The movie just presupposes the story's true, though, and it's following yeah. along in that logic. The movie But the story's to... not true, which sure, means the, the movie... politics don't flow from the story. The story then falls from the politics, right? Like, it would be one thing if this was a true story. There's, like, complications of what true stories you tell, but... If it's a true story, it's a different case. But, but because yeah. it's such bullshit and it's such politically charged bullshit, then you can't say like, well, but that's the story they're telling because you can't divorce the fiction okay. from the politics. I'm, I'm not.
3: I'm not reading mu- much is in a, the way of politics
1: from this This, is this film like in any way whatsoever. Text. It even, is a dated and out of time propagandistic text, which is baffling to me. Even the most sort of like,
2: even the scene that I might think that you would read is the most sort of like, Anti propaganda, anti communist propaganda bullshit, which is where, like she's Sersha. They, you know, they enter into China and they see like, oh, or Mongolia. It's yes. Like, yes. A, it, it, there, there's no escape. There's no escape for it. You there's know? nowhere to hide. There's nowhere we to hide. Who's looking for you? Yeah, but that, I feel like that is just like, that's just him <laughs> utilizing that as another element against these people in their journey. And I, I don't see it as like.
1: But the, 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 the know, true oppression of the journey isn't. The weather, right? It isn't like the physical hardships that imperiled. This is a journey about people who are imperiled by the idea that they might run into a communist. And when they escape, it is because they enter a country where they're not going to run into a communist. They still have physical distance to cover when they get out of the communist run countries. But the movie's like, nope, it's done because they're not imperiled by the idea of communism—that is the true specter hanging over them—that is sapping them of their will to live. Yeah, when you're admit...
3: conflating—you're conflating like the idea that they may run into a communist, not the idea that they may run into somebody who's philosophically left and and believes in uh, the movie, modes of culture movie that conflates. fall in line with socialism. They're—they're they're worried that they're gonna. Fallen, they're, they're they're worried that they're going to be outed by somebody who but, is uh associated with the oppressive states of the Soviet Union and and China, like which is a lot I different of a conversation.
1: I, I don't think there's, I don't think the movie is making that distinction. Oh,
3: I especially because I think, it, because is. Oh, I, I, I think a, it is. Yeah, I multiple think. of the characters in this group are it is only the ideas. Yeah, it, it, it is only the idea
2: that they can't get any they can't escape from communism that's holding them back anytime they ask for help from somebody along the way those people help them you no, know what I'm one, saying one or two times they ask for help exactly for every time they think like don't go talk to those people out there those people help yeah. them anytime they think they're about to be yes. caught by those you know like the horse riders like yeah. those people help them the, it, like it, those are
1: you are speaking of these the people more could these people in this movie.
2: yes Sturgis could stop and ask for help along the way and people will help them but it's this idea that they can't get anywhere that sort of yeah but the movie actually then proving that, like, no, it's just the idea that's entrapping them. But it's an it's, idea—the it's the idea of the fear of communism, not the actual like space. I itself. think the
1: movie wants to have it both ways. Oh, okay, and I cool. think if you get you into this get third,
0: <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: no, no.
1: But no. I do because I think if you get into this like epilogue, which let me let me let me plot summarize this. Okay, I'm not gonna fuck with the names here okay can we just
3: agree <laughs> you're just the, using the actors names
1: you're going to refer to...
3: you might fall into a little oh, bit
1: of trouble with the actor's it's not these well. aren't
2: like he's giving you easy names because he's made them up like
1: fine fine, fine. 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 i know how to pronounce yanush my moral enemy is named yanush
3: that's I was thinking that the whole movie. I was like, maybe I, as I was watching the movie, I was like, maybe Cole might not like this movie because the main
1: guy's name is Youngish. To to clarify, to clarify, I have like a whole truck of specific issues with this movie, but there's ultimately one reason I did not like this movie, and that it is like fucking like watching paint dry. It is so anti-dramatic and dull. It is like the least interesting thing. I have never seen Van Zandt's Jerry, but like I have to imagine that Van Zandt's Jerry is more thrilling than the fucking way back. Why aren't we talking about the Affleck movie? He's got that like, there's that montage where the fucking like the the fridge is full of beers and then like the beers slowly go away. Mm, What a picture. Sure. Why aren't we talking about the same Rockwell movie, The Way Way Back?
3: I like that there movie a, a lot. There's
1: a water slide in that movie. That movie's yeah. good. It's a great
3: movie
2: too.
1: Yeah. Um. Can't, all right. make a,
2: can't make a bad movie if you name it The Way Back.
1: You definitely can. You
3: can. <laughs> um. Again, that movie is The Way Way Back. Yeah. Just <laughs> so. an extra way.
1: Yeah. didn't Jim rash direct that movie he did uh he could have yeah I mean, are his are his two movies that and the remake of force majeure that came out one. right before covid that like third, still bombed like a third one there's a third one right is a, a third
3: yes third. directed by nat faxon and uh, Jim rash is it faxon is that how you pronounce his I, uh sure his um
1: no yeah. those are the only movies he's directed oh you're thinking mark you're thinking that he wrote um the Descendants. Oh yeah, that's what and won an Oscar yep. for The Descendants. That's what it is. Damn it. Yeah. Um. Is God, that Alexander the des-
3: Payne, The Descendants. Yeah, yeah.
1: The Descendants won Best Original Screenplay. That's insane. That oh, adapted screenplay because it's based on a novel. That movie sucks. That movie. <laughs> I-, I will get to the way back, but like, I know everyone's <laughs> memory holds the the Descendants, but I do need to like once again restate. The the movie The Descendants stars George Clooney as the last living descendant of King Kamehameha of Hawaii. <laughs> that is what that movie's about.
3: And he and uh, what, he they want to sell the island to like yeah. a hotel or
1: something. Yeah, right? That's what yeah. it is. Beau Bridges wants to sell like the land. That movie I is have not seen that movie. An since Alexander it came Payne out, movie, which believe. means it sucks ass. Sideways is good. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Sideways uh, is really bad. It's got to be uh, election. Election, a good. Good. election. Election is good. Election is a good time. You you know why election's good? Because unlike every other Alexander Payne movie, you don't get to the third act of election, and then he's like, "But aren't they like little sweethearts?" Like no, election just, just gets mean. to be sadistic, it's right? Like it. every other Alexander Payne movie, he's gonna fucking like try to tug at your heartstrings at the end, and yeah. I'm like, fuck you, Alexander Payne. I keep thinking you don't I need to go. Think this. I
2: thinking I need to go watch Downsizing, though.
1: No, I haven't, seen it, look, it I haven't seen it. I haven't
2: seen it. Every time I'm like, yeah. I go no one's it.
1: I mean, I did not not to reignite this can of worms, but you know that was that was Hong chows big breakthrough. Yeah, Downsizing? And was a,
3: yeah. Oh wow! There I didn't was know
1: a that. yeah. She almost got an Oscar nomination for she it. She played the. She plays like the must. almost. To she, yeah, him. yeah. She's yeah, a very yeah. big part in like the second half of the movie. Um, I remember there being a bunch of discourse about the accent she uses in Downsizing. Um, and I really don't want to reignite this, you know, can of worms. But like a few months ago, I like remember that there was this discourse about it. And I was like, man, Hong Chan's such a good actress. Like what's going on here? And I definitely looked it up and she's basically playing the prostitute from uh Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> like that is the voice she is doing in downside
3: Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Doesn't she also does she do an accent in Watchmen also? No or does she, she not does. do she one just, in Watchmen? She does like
1: a very like posh yeah. like I mean it is she's not doing like an action. She sounds like of Hong Chow. She sounds yeah. like herself. But he, the, Hong Chao got out of the whale and gave a good performance. So like she's probably good at downsizing, right? Yeah. I mean she's a
3: good actress. So. Have you
1: seen have you seen showing up yet, Connor? Uh the, the right I don't Connor? think so. Oh, oh yeah, no, I have. I have. Yeah. I have. She's fucking yeah. hilarious in showing up. Yeah. Like that movie's going to get forgotten come oscar season and that's oh insane, it's cause... i mean
3: if first cow if first cow didn't get a nomination in like the weakest year yeah. ever we in the history talk about of that. the academy no, awards we then talk about that. I'm still there's absolutely it. no way in hell that showing up is going to get recognized of.
1: what does yeah. a24 have this year mark you're good you're good with this stuff what's a24's oscar play this year
2: Cole, i feel like they're gonna i feel like they're gonna guys, go all in they're going shut on the past fuck lives. up cole no no no, no you no. gotta they, recap it's, you're right it is goddamn lives they're like going they're going all in on past they're lives. gonna go like, on past lives yeah. and then they have priscilla
1: right but that's which not... they're gonna abandon uh yeah. what else do they got let's take a look at mm-hmm. the oh a24 slate um, Oh, a big one, isn't there they've got medusa deluxe which is just a great title um dicks who cares about dicks oh they have zone of interest and Iron Claw. Oh, they're kind of stacked. So excited for people to realize that Iron Claw is going to be the most depressing movie ever made. <laughs> so excited. I'm excited for that movie. And Even they're what, probably
3: you know, like, going to be able to market every remaining film that they have coming out this year. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: what did I? Because they are essentially see...
3: compliant with uh, both of the guilds yeah. that are on strike at the moment.
1: Yeah. Someone big just got a SAG after waiver. Um, That's I... for Coppola.
3: Say, yes, uh, thank you, Megalopolis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I was like, Francis, what? He <laughs> he's got it. He's got to fucking need it. Um, okay, he's Francis, paying he's for in, it
2: with all the wine money. I was like, Francis, you're going to be in post on this movie until the next SAG after strike. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> <laughs> my friend?
1: I still believe. He's like, I'm just get ready. <laughs> it's going to be the best movie ever made. Okay, I got the docu- way back. <laughs> uh, it is the early years of World War II uh germany and russia have just invaded poland janusz played by the very british jim sturgis um is framed as being a spy by the soviet government and shipped off to a gulag in siberia uh in this gulag he quickly befriends an eccentric band of characters um including a mysterious american played by ed harris um, A jovial and psychotic Russian gangster played by Colin Farrell um, and a somewhat paranoid and delusional actor played by Mark Strong. Uh, the Strong character is given to spinning fa- uh, bouts of fancy about escape attempts, but one day Sturgis Janusz decides to take him up on one of these and while Strong stays behind, he and a group of men... Uh, manage to cut a hole in the fence and escape into the Siberian blizzard with a plan to make their way out of Russia and into Mongolia to freedom. They then proceed to walk for a very long time. Uh, It is cold for a little bit and one of them freezes to death, but then it stops being cold and they keep on walking. Uh, At one point, they meet a Polish teenager uh, played by Saoirse Ronan who decides to follow them on their trip and they keep on walking and another one of them dies, I think. And then they get to Mongolia. Um, Sorry. When they get to the Russian border, uh, the mobster played by Colin Farrell, who loves Stalin decides that he's had enough fun hanging out with these guys and that he's just going to go bump back around in Russia too much because he loves Russia too much. Uh, and so they keep on walking and then they make it to Mongolia and they find out that Mongolia is under communist control. Uh, so they decide to go to Tibet and then they keep walking and a couple more of them die. And then they make it to Tibet and they're rescued by some Tibetan monks. And the American decides that he's going to head off into China, uh, where he can get passage back to America. And so the rest of them go to India. Um, and then 50 years later, the Berlin Wall falls, and Janusz goes back to Poland. That's what happens in this two-hour and fifteen-minute movie, right? There's it's like by, three stunned by two hundred eight. There's like three uh. straight scenes in the second hour where they find a water source and then lose the water source and then find another water source and then lose
2: it's the other water when source. sad they, they get the water and then the sandstorm comes and get on them. Yeah, and then no more water. It's sad. It is, you know, it it. it it is like why you get Ed Harris is they ask Ed Harris at the end of the movie, like, what are you gonna do after this? And he just kinda goes, I don't know, drift around Harris, a little man. bit.
0: What? Yeah. What a and fucking you're just like, that's actor. why you get Ed.
1: What a fucking <laughs> actor. He's so good. Like one of the best, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. during that real fucking like late nineties, early two thousands window where he's just fucking getting Oscar nominations left and right. Well, the
3: but the thing is, like he never really got his due. I think, no. yeah,
1: no, he did. we happy we can agree on that. Uh, but do we do we want to do a certain, uh, a certain? I can do it far? if
3: you want to do it.
1: I, Just, yeah. I, Mark, you know this.
3: I fucking love Ed Harris. I, I, I wonder what your pick is going to be. Cool. I feel like. Do you remember? I feel like when, there's a hot shot pick that you might go for.
1: Do you remember? Mark, when we were in that class together and we watched uh, a fucking history of violence and I started like screaming about how bullshit it is that Will Bill Hurt got the Oscar nomination over Ed Harris in history of violence. And it's true. It's true. Mark, do you like Ed Harris? I do. Have you seen the uh, that TIFF
2: interview with him? I have where not. That TIFF press conference where for a history of violence where like they ask him if he wants to add anything else, and he just and he's just like, uh, no, I don't, nothing else I want to add. And then he starts banging on the table and throwing glasses, and people are just like, "What the fuck?" He goes, "Violence. What
1: is it?" <laughs> He's so fucking cool. Uh That's Connors, you know where Ed Harris is from, right?
3: Well, I I was waiting. I was waiting <laughs> to see if uh we were gonna do the, the rushmore first. But if you're gonna throw me into that, Wait, we're not we doing Jim
2: Sturgis rushmore.
3: Well, we haven't been able to bring this up in a in a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've encountered one of these. Yeah. Uh but um and which Mark was on SWAT, yeah. So we didn't have one in SWAT. Oh, we 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 i could have really stretched it on swat with somebody but it felt unfair um but for those of you who don't know ed harris was uh born in Englewood, uh, new jersey and raised in a Tenafly, new jersey only uh i think like two or three towns away from where my dad grew up so put him on the wall cole play the cue play the music
0: Once you enter this
1: family, there's no getting out. Grey State in the Union, fucking New Jersey, fucking gave us Ed Harris, fucking That's gave it, us baby. Bruce Willis, fucking gave us Tom Cruise, fucking gave us Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith. <laughs> and wait. <laughs> and Zach Braff. <laughs> no, we
3: no, Zach Braff, uh um damn it. Who who there's somebody else from oh, oh, oh. to
1: the argument. McGinley. Joey Pants.
3: Joey Pants was also And Joey in- Pants. Yeah, Joey Pants I mean, was there's, also There's something uh, in the water you know. that
1: just gives you like fucking guys out of New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just like that's just like a collection of like fucking fucking boys right there. Yes. And then we f- we yeah.
3: flirted with Cruz cuz he he Graduated from high school in Jersey. Yeah, no, Cruz doesn't care. And, uh, and Michelle Rodriguez also lived in New Jersey for a time, but she hated yeah. it, apparently. So that felt unfair to do.
1: Connor, I feel, I'm sorry, Mark, I feel like just knowing what I know of you, I feel like Ed Harris is like quietly your patron saint. He's the best. Just because A, A, he's in so many movies that I know you fucking are like ride or die for. But B, that just, like, when he's on top is, I feel like, your your window of movies in a way, you know? Your, like, nostalgia window of movies. He's right there.
2: And I, I, yeah. I feel like it's just because they're, like, my dad's movies, too. And he's just yeah. got such a, you know what I'm saying? If he's yeah. he, if he was, like, a hero of my dad as a kid, you're just like, yeah. fuck, that guy, you know? Yeah. So there's that.
1: So. Uh, if we're doing the Mount Rushmore, uh, Mark, you get the this first is, pick and the last This is thing. too hard. Yes it is. this, but you get two picks.
2: I actually, I think you could feel comfortable that do, uh... I actually was prepping you to do Sturgis as like a joke, and so yeah. I was thinking about the Sturgis, and I was like, "There's actually a good Sturgis Rushmore." There's not it's there.
1: I don't There's think not. so. <laughs> yeah. There is. We the... were, we were, we were at dinner the other night. You get to you do like to across the of... universe. You get to St- do twenty one. Jim Sturgis has given one good performance Such in his entire career. That's, he has given one this is what I'm going to say in his entire career.
3: In agreement with Cole, I, Jim Sturgis has been in good films. I yes. don't know if I consider he's this, he's Sturgis baffling. Rushmore it's to be. Like, more no, no, but of he's
2: like what people were throwing Colin to, like in the SWAT era. It's like we have this sort of yeah. like dude yes. from the United that's true. Kingdom, whatever. Yes. Or, you know, like where do we throw him in? What's his angle? And he's in so many different types of movies. He's in con man movies. He's in like big musicals. He's in like science fiction movies. He's in movies but, like this. It is sort of think, like so like
1: but you're just like everyone's watching him. right? the guy doesn't have the fucking juice. He's holding every movie back. First of all, it's, not everyone's watching him because all, every Jim Sturgis movie bombs. Like that's the reason Jim Sturgis doesn't have a real career, is that they all bomb. Strike one against the way back is that this whole thing is anchored with the this- this terribly written character that Jim this movie, my is begging. A this movie is like, this is the sort of character on the page that you need a good actor to like bring something to and flesh out. Jim just fucking sucks. His only good performance is not Heartless, and that's because uh, Philip Ridley could get a great performance out of a stone. <laughs> um, that movie's incredible. Never uh, seen that movie. Oh, it's so good. Have you seen any Philip Ridley movies? I'm like, quietly sure. Philip Ridley's greatest shooter um Philip Ridley like kind of broke Vigo Mortensen I know I know Peter Weir actually discovered P- Vigo Mortensen um Philip Ridley made like two super nasty religious horror movies with Vigo Mortensen in the 90s and then went away from 15 years and then came back with heartless uh which is like a retelling of Faust where Jim Sturgis has a full body birthmark that he like wagers Mm. his soul to the devil to get rid of um that movie's extraordinary and really ugly and has connor here's how i'm gonna get you to see this movie you ready all right contains the career best performance of eddie marzin
0: oh undeniably
1: without question marzin is just haunting in that movie
3: I oh, it's um, better than the uh than the like Louisiana gumbo, Marzin and Miami Vice. Yeah,
1: shockingly. Shockingly. Shockingly.
3: Why are you doing this to me?
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> he just plays good. this I like
3: He literally sounds like Lakehorn Likor, Fo- yeah. Foghorn and a Falkhorn Foghorn, Foghorn wow. yeah, whatever.
1: Yeah he plays like a mob enforcer in heartless he's just really scary he's a very like hoskinsy performance oh, okay um you like it a lot
3: i can see that um, working for him if he did yeah. more stuff like that yeah uh but he just hasn't really you know throughout his career um, well, my,
1: we're vamping here my problem is like jim Surge, Like, no one loves across the universe more than me and he's got a lovely voice in across the universe but like it's not a good performance. Everyone else is giving good performances in Across the Universe.
3: Yes, I, I. So, I think we're all in agreement here. Like, uh, he's he's one of the people that come up every, I don't know, five eight years or so in Hollywood that I uh, envision as like very functional actors where you kind of like <sighs> plug them in to complete a cast, but they can't really like hold anything, but because they're attractively or like very um, traditionally attractive or uh, just come across as uh, having like approachable features or likeness on screen, they kind of get hot tracked into being like the lead that's supposed to carry said films. um, And it just doesn't work. And uh, his career is a pretty pretty pinpoint example of that happening yeah. and um
1: and mark you're right there's that like six-year window which i think like after across the universe which probably ends with remember upside down it ends uh, with upside down like firmly because that would yeah, be like it was yeah. a disaster. he has barely worked since upside down he makes like a movie a year which i know sounds like a lot but actors don't just make like a movie a year you know well he's also
3: more of an accomplished musician, from what I understand, right? Then you could not pay me actor. to listen to
1: Jim Sturch's music, I'm sorry. <laughs> he hasn't released anything since like fifteen since he started acting. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. never mind then. Yeah. Um, um
3: Yeah, I'm just if, thinking about him. I'm just thinking about yeah. like the films he's best known for, including
1: it's something like Cloud Universe Atlas. At 21.
3: And he's okay. You're, you're almost talking about like well, it's, it's, uh, you're looking at like for me, cause I make this comparison like quite often just because of my knowledge base. When, when you're, you're, you're looking at like a professional sports team and you're looking at like roster spots that need to be filled just to have yeah. the spot filled to keep the team functioning in, in a certain manner. Like that's the, that's the sense that he had like fulfilled a lot of these roles that he had been thrust into. But, especially in something like this. And I think the biggest condemnation is when you do look at Heart's War, which I full-heartedly believe is a worse film than The Wayback* is, mm-hmm. Colin Farrell is doing much, 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 much more. I mean... the He plays a, more, a much more conflicted and complex character based off decisions that said character has made like in the very beginning of the film. But Colin's clearly doing a lot more with the with the similar sense of like the character is supposed to essentially be like a boy scout who's supposed to do the right thing and be um like a moral vehicle for the viewer you know who's right for
2: this character like who's like the perfect guy who could have fucking carried this instead maybe maybe anyone i have a theory (laughs) banna eric banna
1: Banna would be great. Yes, Banna yes. could do because it. Because he's such I good mean,
2: sort of like audience insert, yeah. sort of like if you eyes, Look
3: at like, something like Munich, you're like hundred percent spot on that Banna would have been uh pretty yeah. fantastic in this. This role. would be yeah.
1: coming right yeah. off Eric Banna's career best performance, too. That would be interesting. Yeah. Uh the movie is funny, people. Uh Eric ah, Banna's yeah, yeah. fucking extraordinary, but, yeah. I mean, you want your you want your fucking like easy Add a half star to this movie, fixed just to make it a little better. Colin Farrell's right there. That's he's I, already in the movie. Like, I yeah, about I, it, but think, I, I don't, I don't think, think it's. But 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 for for a a nothing character to this degree, like and a director who, I am sorry. Say what you will. Are you guys going to make the argument for me that Peter Weir is somehow this like revelatory genius? who gets performances out of actors that no one else could i don't even think i don't think anyone would make that case right
3: no i i don't think that is the predominant like exactly story about peter weir i think the story about peter weir is that he enjoyed having very like fruitful collaboration with actors who were willing to invest as much as he was in the project and then working with People like Jim Carrey and Russell Crowe kind yes. of like disillusioned him from the process of working with huge but celebrities. Someone always, brought, sung,
2: he always brought like humanity out of like people who yeah. had experience. Exactly, that but like it he, can,
1: it. he can't get he can't get water from a stone, you know? Like there were there were directors who can get water from a stone. There are. Yes, yeah. If you if you know the analogy I'm using, weir is not that kind of director you need someone like Colin Farrell, who's going to like bring a level of, you know, intuitive dignity to any performance for a role yeah. like this.
2: And I, I think he's just, he's casting Jim Stur just because it's, hot. And, but maybe he's not, but maybe it's just because he has like a very sensitive, innocent looking face, you know, and he's thinking, which is an easy sort of like, you know, casting choice there, but.
1: Well, I've also, I've also made my, my argument before. And I think this movie is a key example of it that, in Bruges did not actually do very much for Colin Farrell's career. No. Uh, I, I, because it's like hmm. he's only picking leading roles in tiny movies or small roles in big movies. Because, like, I think it was Manola Dargis was like, obviously, they only put Colin huh. Farrell in this for box office potential. If that's who <laughs> Colin Farrell was, Colin's playing the Jim Sturgis part. I think right? horrible but, bosses did more for Colin
2: Farrell than absolutely Imbruged did. It. But I don't, I don't, I don't think Hollywood figures out where to put Colin Farrell for the rest. This is another talk for you. But like for the rest, next ten years of his life until like The Lobster. It's The know, Lobster. It's we The know Lobster. lobster that's is what when I've they always
1: identified is this the, the Lobster when they
2: figure out. Oh, that's you, his.
1: If you look at just the movies we're talking about, like On Dean, no budget strike shoot in Europe triage no budget strike shoot in Europe um crazy heart tiny role you know Carnassus brought in to save the movie but why wasn't he the guy they went to in the first place you know like Colin is not off what's supposed to be this big career revitalization his career's not revitalized he's a character actor now and not but anything like a particularly successful character actor. Even if I really like the Colin Farrell performance in this movie,
3: can I throw something out to you?
1: Yeah, Mark, I know you're stalling. By the way,
3: if James <laughs> McAvoy is in this film, how do you how do you think you're you're feeling about it? No, that's if that great. That change is made. That's yeah. such
1: a better choice, and it's it,
2: it it's perfect for him in the same sort of way because right. he's like right about to be,
1: you know, as huge he ever been bad. Mm, I Jimmy Mack. Has he I don't know. ever been bad? Not not great, bad. So sort of bad James McAvoy. I
3: would gesture no. I haven't seen the more like pulpy. I haven't seen some of the more pulpy like filth that that's like a, a blind it's spot good. for me. He's like this filth. Um, he's a, he's, he's really good in filth. <laughs> okay, um, that's good to know because I... I he's
1: almost... Mark, we were talking about this recently. He's almost too good in trance. He's too good in trance.
2: That character, like... <laughs>
3: Needs
1: to be a little.
2: The time that Boyle movie, yeah. The time that movie makes its flip. Is he good? I feel that way about Wanted. Is, like he's too good
1: in Wanted. Yeah. He he's the only one of the first cast class actors who like still is giving a shit by the time of like yeah. Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, where like the other ones are being held at gunpoint.
3: Unfortunate,
2: yeah. Is he good in? Well, and this is like a deficit yeah. against him, but like it's the only performance of his movie it. I have seen. I can't remember. Is it Chapter Two?
1: I've never
3: seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Yeah, he's that, good that, in that's the movie. Bubble. That like, yeah, I've not seen the
1: bubble. I just that's what I'm like, I say. Like, he's good in Atomic Blonde. Well, Atomic Blonde's a masterpiece. So <laughs> fuck you. Um, well, fuck me. I'm like saying he's you. good in it. You're just you. you well, we're talking about like the the awful movies he's in, and you're like, what about Atomic Blonde? I haven't like, seen
3: a lot of these bad he movies. He fucking loves yeah.
1: Berlin. We will we will talk about Colin later, but Mark, enough stalling. How you feeling, Mark, Mister Edward Harris? Well, I just want to make
2: sure we get a good mountain for ed because i do care about ed a lot and i'm trying to do a lot of the math of what cole is going to pick and basing that's the game is is what's going to be safe i think i can guess cole's i'm going to start out with what i think is sort of a a a phase of ed harris or like a function of him yeah which is sort of the nasa you know ed harris you know it's sort of the you know, sort stealing of stealing uh, my pick. Yeah, so we're gonna go right stuff. We're gonna go John. <gasps> yep, we're gonna go oh, John shit. Glenn. The right stuff. We're gonna. I start like it. There. I like yeah, it. That's where we're gonna start. Speak on it. Speak there we go. It. He is such sort of like a. It's also the most fun. I think he gets to have it, and he he has like cool, fun business work too, in Apollo 13, and that's such an iconic performance. But like, I don't, have you seen the right stuff recently, Cole? No,
1: I should watch that movie every day.
2: You should watch the movie <laughs> all the time. Yeah. He has so much fun as John Glenn because John Glenn is such like a like an iconic kind of figure in his own right. But that character is just not like bogged down by like the bureaucracy of NASA. Like, in he is such a, sort of like a joy for like aviation and like space travel. And like he's such a, he's such like a a little like clown too. He's such like a I don't know. He's like fucking around with everybody, but he's like I don't know I. I love him in that movie. I'm going to start
1: there. Yeah. It's it's yeah. not my favorite performance in that movie, but it's a great performance. Who's the best in that movie? My brain says Sam Shepard. Yeah, no. My it's... heart says Fred Ward. Yeah. That's guys Grissom. Uh, Connor, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I know this to be true. You love the right stuff, right?
3: Oh, yes. yes like, what
1: are we yes. even doing here if you don't love the right
3: stuff? I know stuff? we've never... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> Can I, I agree. This? I think uh, Sam Scott Shepard Glenn, is, Scott Glenn uh, might be the best in
2: that movie, though. Scott, Scott, Scott is so good. good.
1: Yeah. Um, not not to be rude, but um Philip Kaufman is, I think, actually the exact right like analogy to Peter Weir, I would make, where I'm like, I I I, I don't get why people don't talk about mm. Peter Weir like he's a serious artist when he's really someone like Kaufman. Uh that, that that's kind of the guy i was trying to compare peter i just say i think he actually has more hits than hoffman i think he's sure just- i yeah. think hoffman has more hits than weir but but my, my point is that i i actually like i have like a mental block that i just don't see what everyone else seems to see in peter weir yeah. i also think i also think people are maybe exaggerating not you mark because i know this to be true i do think people are maybe exaggerating their master and commander love a little bit no, because it's I... very fashionable like how some people exaggerate their miami vice love not anyone on this call yeah it's just very fashionable to like love yeah you master better watch commander. your mouth cold. like how some people exaggerate their michael mann love right they do it's undeniable okay it's true yeah um i wasn't Connor. watching
2: parts of the caribbean as a kid
3: i was watching Master. i think commander. part of the issue with like master commander old, was yeah i think part of the issue is people are so heartbroken that they never got the sequels yes. to it yeah.
1: yes a movie I, I like a lot i just think the fucking like dudes screaming oceans have become battlefields thing is a little a little overstated it's too well, much Oceans and Battlefields
2: like, and not enough This Ship is England, if I'm going to be fucking honest. There's perfectly not enough honest. Um,
1: the actual movie, and there's a lot of the opening title card of the movie, uh, <laughs> is where people stand. All right, Connor, I went first last time, so...
3: Alright, uh, I don't think this is going to come as a shock to anybody, but uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's it's another Connor-ass yeah. movie.
3: Yeah, uh, I think there is... Um, I think there's maybe one interchangeable actor from that cast and shocker here. Ed Harris is not one that one guy. And I think the entire cast is essentially like cemented into those roles for all of time based off of that film. And um, I just like, I do not think the film works in any way whatsoever. If you even think about removing said actor out of it, even though it's been, you know, performed on stage countless times uh, to great applause um in multiple different uh renditions but i think uh what that film kind of speaks about harris to me is yes you have a lot of these films where harris plays uh some kind of like bureaucratic figure or military officer or uh some other kind of figure of authority within a systematic hierarchy or even in, as we're talking about in the way back, he's um, someone of like esteemed dignity based off of like the work ethic that you could read off of his representation of said character. I think what he gets to do in Glengarry Glenn Ross, which he does great better than most actors can probably even dream of doing is playing just like an absolute, uh, by the gutter, dirtbag, trying everything he can to, to get one leg up. Um,
1: yeah.
3: And he's just great at it.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I think it's the best performance in that movie.
3: It's exhilarating. Yeah. And there's something yeah.
1: about how he's, he's never really the like big focal point of the movie, but he's like, he's the functionary amongst the functionaries, you know, like. He gets the plot rolling. Co- yeah. yeah. Uh, it's such a good performance.
3: And uh, I think there's a sense that like, for him to read those, mammoth lines he the desperation is breathing through him in a way that it's not breathing through uh the other characters on screen that kind of that kind of uh working man's ability to like mangle any situation you're in and and um distort it to be able to perceive like to to make yourself the good guy in any situation no matter how Outside the bounds, you may be willing to act um, and to be able. And, like, again, like they're salesmen, and he's not just trying to sell, uh, they're selling like timeshares, right? Or like real estate bonds. There's something like
1: plots the of part? land. There's something like, yeah. there's something like big like mansions, Arizona. right? They're like, 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 like pre-built houses.
3: I think it's literally plots of land that they're like someday a developer would want to come yeah. and build houses here. And my favorite fact about that movie is the land that they are... Like someone like two or three years ago did like an economic study based off of the description of the land that they are said to be selling in it. And it's like somewhere in Arizona, maybe like outside Phoenix. Yeah. And they're like, if they actually sold those shares... The investors would have made like an eight thousand and twenty percent profit off I mean, of it or something like that. It's like actually a good investment option. Not, not for to them. be an
1: asshole, but it, it doesn't matter what they're selling.
3: Right? No, no, no. But but what yes. I was going to say is Harris is also selling to the other salesman. He's also yes. selling to Alan Arkin, which is what makes it exhilarating. It's he's he's the perfect counterbalance in in that in that film to Alec Baldwin, just popping through in the beginning. But Alec Baldwin's coming from the top down and Harris is coming from the bottom up. You kind of get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Never seen it. What? Wow. (laughs) What, Mark? (laughs) We are watching Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Yeah, you got to watch that. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, Uh, my God. What a picture. I look forward to it.
3: Mark, do you enjoy, uh, like, the fastest talking you've ever heard in your entire life? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Will you enjoy al pacino just tearing kevin spacey apart
1: do you like it when dudes in offices like speak tersely to each other yeah but but like
3: on dvd and on vhs and i've never seen it but like the most low-rent office you could think of yeah i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it this week i'll watch it this week there
2: you sent me it's gonna happen
3: Kind of similar thing, though, to The Right Stuff, where, like, when I think about that movie, I immediately think about Jack Lemon and not yeah. Ed Harris, oh, yeah. if that yeah. makes sense. Like, when I think Last about Rob The Right is, Stuff, yeah. I think about Sam Shepard and not Ed Harris. Yeah. But And you think about still. Pacino. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Ricky Roma. Roma. Ricky Roma. <laughs> you fucked you. Don't avert things.
3: You um, owe me that Cadillac, asshole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared about what Cole's going to say, because I think I might have fucked up the first time. There are I fucked up what my two should have been. Yeah, but I'm gonna stick with it okay, now. So. Because I there are don't.
3: two very hot takes that I think could possibly fall through. Are... And I'm wondering which one he's gonna pick of the two. There
1: are three titles that feel right to me. Yeah. And I am aware that by picking one of them I could force I am aware that Mark's gonna pick one out of two of those three titles. And so I'm aware that by picking one of them I could like brute force into picking the other, but like
2: yeah, I'm going to make a case for the other one. That I, I know, as, I much, like anyway, but. as
1: much as you guys are going to be like, well, fuck, we fucked up this Mount Rushmore because either obvious title A or obvious title B isn't in here. I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to follow my heart. You said at the start of this podcast recording, Mark, that there's something about like what you get when you just like put Ed Harris in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I am thinking of what is in my mind why i want to pick this one even if maybe there are you can make cases for being better performances and i want to this is the best case i think ever of someone I know, like I know what he's gonna say. bringing fuck. in ed harris as a i know what he's gonna say God to, like, damn it. just push fuck, the fuck, movie fuck. one step like to just like the movie's this good and then you're just like what if we just like sprinkled in a little ed harris and like kicked it up to like this good you know what i'm saying this fucks up my next answer. Mark knows what it is. He's mad. Uh, it's Snowpiercer. Oh, interesting. Was that not what you thought it was doing? No, not at all.
3: Yeah, that's – <laughs> I did not see you going with that either. It's okay. – Yeah.
1: I mean, it is – I'm sorry. I am sorry to a certain Peter Weir movie. It is the best case of Ed Harris playing God in a movie. Um But that it is just that this whole movie is about like everyone's moving in a straight fucking line so they can punch this guy in the face. And then this guy needs to show up and be like, here is the very well-reasoned argument for why everything collapses if you punch me in the face. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. It says they wanted Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman is probably a better actor than ed harris on balance doesn't work, doesn't, doesn't, work. doesn't work if it's Hoffman. You i also need... don't know if he's a better actor than ed maybe. harris i'm gonna maybe. be very honest maybe. about that i, said I said maybe. don't know I if said he maybe. I, said yeah. maybe I said maybe i said maybe you just need that sheer force of like granite will that ed harris is gonna give you where he just shows up at the end of this movie and he's like i am right i am morality right? I am, I am civilization. I am order made manifest as a human. And I don't think anyone else can play Wilford like Ed Harris plays Wilford. And I know some people don't like the ending to Snowpiercer and they are wrong and they are stupid. The ending to Snowpiercer is what makes Snowpiercer a great movie. And I do think Snowpiercer is a masterpiece. Um, and it's all hinges on Ed Harris. Basically carries that entire movie on his back in like five, five minutes of screen time okay what, what are you performance
3: pick? bad pick bad pickle
1: no nope. bad pick for Cole. i
3: think there's like eight other movies that would have made him more so the, around movie it, I, I, around the movie around I, I thought he was gonna pick
2: was mother that's the movie i thought the whole that's the movie i thought he was talking about i was how do you push a movie what's a movie you know what's Dude, a it's so
3: funny like, i was literally thinking the same thing like his entire description of the pick i was like okay i was like it's mother
1: yeah i do love i do love mother They love Mother a lot. Mother
2: for me is like the best sort of like depiction of like give Ed Harris like a a, a use of him as an actor where you're like give Ed Harris a very un-Ed Harris-y role, which that role is. That's why I don't- That's a Dustin Hoffman. That's like a Dustin Hoffman role and you gave it to Ed Harris and he's so creepy and so pathetic. I don't love that casting.
1: I don't love that casting. I think that that casting is phenomenal
2: because uh, Mm -hmm. Ed Harris shows up at that doorstep in that movie and he knocks- And you have an idea of what that character was going to be. And over the next sort of like 10, 15 minutes, that character just like crumbles and gets filthy. And people walk in on him having sex with Michelle Pfeiffer. And your questions (laughs) about that character are constantly changing. And he kind of hides the central mystery of the movie by casting Ed Harris. It's such smart casting.
1: What are you talking about? It's the giveaway. It's the immediate giveaway. Not the giveaway. The rib. I no. I'm saying I am not know. That's the giveaway. It it's
3: not the casting, though. He yeah. hides it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: that's when I, the movie decides to tell you who that character is called. Mm, uh, yeah. That's what's happening there. Uh, it's not I, giving it away. It's telling you. But, I um, don't know if
1: I've ever <laughs> stated this plainly to you, Connor. I've definitely said this to you, Mark. Um, and maybe people have picked this up most of the podcast, but I like it when an actor, especially like a movie star, has a type. And they're really good at being at finding like variations in that type. And when someone is good at that, I tend to be a little disinterested in them playing like against type. I think it's it's less interesting than finding someone. The the idea that oh, versatility, like show baby, range. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. What'd you say? it's called called versatility i think versatility is a little overstated for a lot of these people and i think it's more interesting when someone is really good at how to use their instrument than when they try to show versatility and i think from a casting perspective that's why i'm more interested in harrison snowpiercer than harrison mother i am aware that a lot of people disagree with me on this there are certainly plenty of people who are great versatile actors right like but a lot of times, I like it when you're good at a thing, and you're and you're really good at finding versatility within your box. Yeah, no, that's, that's me.
3: But I think he's doing that in Mother. I think that's I don't know that he is part of the interest here. Yeah. Is it's like, my
1: least favorite performance in Mother. I'll just say to, that
3: to see someone with such uh chiseled facial features, yeah. you know, with such a, a blue collar aesthetic, with the yeah. the balding hairline. Um, in like piercing eyes, like he mother. has to to see him be vulnerable, like aesthetically vulnerable on screen, is very jarring. Sure. And it, it's mother's not the only one, yeah, The hours plays with that, that well. That's well. what I was gonna say. Is it
1: throws off the
2: power dynamics in that movie? feel like hours when you watch it, it starts so
1: to... much more interestingly. It's true. And Mark, do you want to I mean, say we, we were saying, saying we thought you before were pick gonna pick mother? I know, I, no, well. I also Mark, would have been down Mark, for you to pick that Hours. Come on, come on,
2: come I'm on! Not gonna, I'm not going to pick the hours. I thought but, about it. I thought about it. Mm, I, thought about it. Mm, I thought about it.
1: Don't do it. Don't do it. This fucks me up, hours? This wait, me, me up,
3: man. But wait, let me let me finish my point. He also yeah. does that in his Pollock film, which I've never seen. He's intentionally he's intentionally casting or he's intentionally performing against his aesthetic so, archetype that he's and pl- plenty plenty screen. of
1: times that works yeah. for people. I just in. Uh, when push comes to shove, I'm gonna I'm gonna appreciate a good use of you playing two type than a good use of you playing against type. You know, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah,
3: I, yeah. But I just like I I feel like there are also other films where he plays two type that I prefer his well,
1: performance. It's not you're. Because yeah. I love Snowpiercer, and I think that wow. movie hinges on that performance.
3: I know I'm getting a little. Uh, I'm 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 yeah, actively your, arguing against the idea of Mount you have a
1: veto. <laughs> if you want to use your goddamn veto, it. you can use your veto. I no, have, it's like I said. It's like I, I, I said. I have my back pocket, and it's not the fucking hours. Okay, it's a great so, movie. It's a great movie. Who, it's a good who performance. gets a veto? I agree. We both get vetoes. We both have one veto. Yeah, you should. Can, you should veto my first one. No, you can't late. veto
2: a guest. We can oh, be do a guest. We yeah.
1: can't retroactively be it it's too late. We we had to do it earlier. And we're okay, not so opposed I, to that
2: I, I've not seen Glengarry, Glenn Ross. So I need yes. you to help me out. Sure. Does that feel like that, you know, and Connor spoke to him playing, playing a dirtbag, playing a shitty guy?
1: glengarry feels like is he the, the is he the villain in that movie is is he no. playing sort everyone's, of like the a, yeah, everyone's the villain in that everyone's the Spacey, villain spacey's the antagonist in that movie okay spacey's the antagonist. Okay. i mean that feels like the crystallization of the ed harris star persona yeah as I much as so. like the abyss yeah. does you know like those feel like the alpha and omega of well
3: you know oh, mark, oh, mark oh, you know have you seen the firm no okay <laughs> Have you I'm seen uh, that on
1: here? I don't remember him being in the firm.
3: Have you seen he's the he's the like FBI agent that's trailing? I don't Cruise like the
1: firm very much. Connor. I'm
3: just throwing that out there yeah. as an example. Have you the seen other, Gone yeah. Baby Gone?
1: No, I don't remember him in Gone Baby Gone. No. He's, he's very
3: done. similar. He plays a cop in Gone Baby Gone. That's why I'm throwing these examples out there. So um, so my, remember National
1: yeah. Treasure: Book of Secrets. A great performance. Yes. <laughs>
3: so can I can I relate it to that? My uh, last pick
2: is going to be. Because I, I thought Cole was either going to go with The Rock or Cole was going to go with Mother. Those were kind of my like,
1: fucking good in The Rock. You have no idea. That's where I'm thinking. Incredible in The Rock.
2: But I, I feel like The Abyss speaks to his talent as a romantic lead, which is what I think of him when I watch that movie. Um, Just because I find that movie so tragic and romantic, but like,
3: good movie.
2: It's a great movie. Fuck. I can't make up my can I veto my last choice and give it to you to make? (laughs) No. You don't
3: have a veto. (laughs) What's your pick?
2: You (laughs) but make up the rules. You can make up any rules. I guess you
3: could transfer your pick to somebody, but no, it's already set in stone. It's it's already set set in
2: stone. My last pick is the abyss. And I feel like the abyss. Okay. So the reason I kind of fucked up my first one is that should have been my first one. Yeah. That should have been my first choice because I do feel like that falls under sort of his sort of like explorer you know sort of the sort of like the bureaucratic explorer phase of him but uh, i think he's such a sort of like a dashing hero but like also like gentle romantic and but he's also such an intensity to him in that movie um that 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 movie crystallizes the ed harris sort of like sensitive tough masculine but like in the eyes he's he can be sort of sensitive and it's but he's fucking tough shit uh uh, that's what I like about him in that movie. He's such a good Cameron lead in that movie. It's
0: the,
1: yeah, the canonical four best Ed Harris performances. If Cameron had
2: made fucking Avatar in the nineties, oh, Harris yeah. would have been a great Jake Sully.
1: He would have been a better. Uh, oh my god, even yeah. He'd been a better Quaritch. <laughs> he'd been a um, great chord, too. I don't know. If he could like, play Quaritch. Why is he playing Quaritch? Yeah. Why um, is he not playing Quaritch? The canonical four best. And it's almost it's too much of a no brainer to have him play Courage. The right I mean, stuff. Maybe. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Snowpiercer, The Abyss. It's a good <laughs> list. It is. I haven't,
2: good. I haven't listened to every episode, but I'm sure you guys have had worse Rushmores than that. We've Way absolutely worse. <laughs> had worse <laughs> Way Rushmores. We've had
1: more insane Rushmores. I think we. I,
2: no, I felt like the Samuel Jackson Rushmores.
1: I think the best Rushmores in terms of like the, the idea resulting in an interesting canon are Jackson and Garfield. Okay.
3: Cool. The Willis one, I think, is interesting.
1: The Willis one is yeah. the Willis ones is the first one, though. We haven't gotten spicy with it yet. Yeah, it's a little yeah. spicy. Um,
3: the yeah. Jude Law one is probably the worst one. The
1: Jude Law is a train wreck. No, no, the
3: Spielberg one is the worst one. What am I talking about? Um, the Spielberg one is by far the worst. Like, nothing I, even comes close to how bad the Spielberg one is. Is the
2: idea, again, that the Rushmore is the most important nope. person next to Colin in that? Or is it whoever you fucking feel like?
1: Whoever we feel like. We're going to do another yeah. one this episode we do a Sersha one? Yeah, we're going to do a Sersha one. I, in fact, may <laughs> have specifically insisted we do the Ed Harris one first because I want the second pick for Sersha and not for Ed Harris. Damn, right. And so I oriented Damn. the timing right. I okay. fucking do you, baby.
3: You're going to jump in? Uh, I don't Mark, think. Mark, do, do you need a. Do you need a I don't minute think. To think on well,
1: let's talk about Ed Harris. Okay. I don't think Ed Harris is very good in this movie. Uh, okay, it's like, a real sleepwalky performance. He's not I giving you he, anything.
2: I think he brings, but what his his casting does is it brings a little bit of soul to the movie because Sturge Sturgis kind of like can't carry that because he has to be sort of the uh, he has to be sort of like the motivation for everyone. He mm-hmm. kind of can't be like the the soulful elemental sort of like spiritual yes. guy. He kind of has to be like I just have to be like hope. We have to pick a direction. But then that has to sort of like combat the the Ed Harris like his soulfulness is more primal than Sturgis's, and Ed Harris is a very sort of like primal actor, um, and that's where I think he's good casting for this character. If you were going to have like unAmerican sort of like drifter mysterious guy, Ed Harris is like that's slam dunk casting. Like I don't know what you what more you
1: want from it. Is he utilizing him as well as he could?
2: But maybe I also, not
1: I also but, don't think he you know, is doing anything interesting. I think Harris is like not trying in this movie. I think it's a very like phoned in performance from the guy because I I think because I know he could be so much more soulful that he's just not giving that.
2: We got to instigate some more weird talk because I do feel like Weir is doing like
3: he's not like he's not like a just a hollywood journeyman like these are no, important like, films he, in the <laughs> i know the and
2: canon. sure this is one of <laughs> yeah. his least important films but like it's the one we're talking about like, i still even, think this one voice. is very good and i, no, think, I think it's think like it's good
3: very overlooked and i think most of it falls on jim sturgis just not kind of that's part of up the problem to the uh potent- like when you cast a guy you have
2: to be like wanting jim sturgis yeah. you have to want jim sturgis to like survive this movie and because you don't give a shit about jim sturgis there's a detachment because you're not like you know you're not like i want to see jim sturgis yeah there's like a
3: so mark like when cole and i were doing the new world which um much
1: better movie than this well you can admit that right
3: (laughs) but when when cole and i were doing the new world we did the Bale mount rushmore and i put um uh rescue dawn on the Rushmore for yeah. Bale, which is very, very, very similar to this film, just in conception yeah. and in in the way it operates. And when you're comparing Sturgis to Bale, it becomes just like an insurmountable task to expect uh, Sturgis to be able to carry uh, this film that's operating in a very similar manner. When you require somebody of Bale's just... He, because Bale is like obsessive in the way that you, even in bad movies, you can read, uh, you can read ten pounds of character detail in like every minor, uh, behavioral tick that he he plays into what he's doing, and yeah, the 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 problem here is like you have a film that is intentionally subtle like it was like i was trying to say earlier that like we're is like an achingly humanistic filmmaker so he's i think he's intentionally doing things in this film i think of early in the film when they come across uh i can't remember what it is is it like a goat or like a boar that's stuck in the mud it's an and, ox isn't and, it and is it yeah, it's yeah like, like, like a smaller ox yeah and they uh, obviously like uh, they haven't eaten in days or they haven't eaten like real nutritious food in days they immediately decide to kill it and and to use it as meat and and we're i i was surprised by the fact and again this happens earlier in the film that we're cuts away from them uh slaughtering the animal because uh, it's it's Funny or maybe not funny, but fitting that Cole brings up Alejandro uh, Gonzalez Inarritu. That it's um, not something he would have done. He would have like luxuriated yeah. in the opportunity of like watching this animal, real or fake, uh, however you want to describe, it, but on screen, realistically being slaughtered um, to like fill that gap in the story. And I was, I was kept asking myself, why did Weird not depict that in the film? Like, why did he cut away from it and? I, I came to the conclusion that, like, at the end of the day, he wanted to t- he wanted to make a film where the look of hunger and the look of desperation the actors faces was was warrant enough to 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 propel the way in which the film yeah. actually like navigates, not the grotesque of. The things in which they have like the the horror the horrific things they have to do and suffer while they're on this journey and there is there are aspects of that in this film but then when you're asking that to fall on the face and acting prowess of jim sturgis who is probably a, a very nice and fine person by all means it's he's just not fulfilling what i believe we're like required from a lead actor to be able to like actually hold what he's placing on these humans that he's cast in his film which is the focal point of this movie? It's the humans. It's not like yeah. it's 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 the humans juxtaposed against the sweeping shots of the landscape, and it's not the humans having to kill and the humans having to uh, struggle with issues of yeah. like bodily function and fluid, as 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 Herzog shows. in no, yeah, Rescue. you're
2: right. Yeah, two points. Like you can imagine you talked about sort of like the, the 10 pages of details of, of research he would have put into sort of like a Christian Bale would have like put into a line reading. And it's the line or reading. Even, even to be even honest, when, like,
3: like Cole says, even Colin Farrell, like you already have true. him here. And I don't know if it's hot. I don't know if it's cause like, you don't want to repeat hearts War like he's already done that in a yeah. movie, but like yeah. Colin Farrell would
1: have. But this is so not a POW movie.
3: There's nothing I read, there's nothing I read from Sturgis' portrayal of Janusz that lets me glean from his performance, not from what they say to each other, but from the performance of like, oh, this is a guy that's like made a living out in the forest in the mountains of Poland. The, you know what I'm there's saying? There's the bit like, where
2: everybody rushes to the ox and yeah. sort of like the ox is so clearly like sinking in mud. And Sturgis is like, guys assess the situation do not get too fucking close to the mud you're all gonna fall in and he doesn't sell that in the same way that like you know it's just like that he doesn't have any sort of that line feels like it's like here's a guy who like but yeah i don't know well the character
3: the character is supposed to be there like as as the character functions within the plot of this film like he is the one that has the necessary skills for survival and he's and they are all um, they're all contributing to this effort but like he is mainly the one that understands like if we're looking for water we need to go in this direction if like this is the path we need to take yeah. these we we can use the wood to cover our faces in a snowstorm stuff like that but there's nothing in the Sturgis performance that like allows you to no. to understand especially if you're comparing to a bale like There are plenty of Bale films where it's, like, just the way he carries his shoulders, you understand, like, oh, this is the guy's profession. This is what he's been doing for the last 15 years. There's nothing like that coming from Sturgis.
2: Yeah. But to the Peter Weir point, too, like, sorry, to the Peter Weir point, too, like, there is nothing about this story that would ever need you to watch these guys kill this ox. The ox suffering enough by drowning is, like, almost too much. A guy like Inari too, would, like, become obsessed with like the physics of how do you kill this thing while it's sinking everyone's slipping in mud how do we pull it out you know like he would luxuriate and sort of like he would make that a set piece cole was like that's what i want but i'm like
1: no but 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 sincerely
2: you have to to respect someone who is going to sort of like not be like topsy-turvy with it and not be like and that's a guy who wants it and you know wants his cake and eats it too this is a guy who's like committing to like the movie is more about how they react or how they fight over the ox or how they want the ox, but they all decide to go in on that moment together in the same way that like, there's a very dark moment, you know, where they chase the wolves off and then Sturgis has to look at all of them fighting over eating the raw animal carcass. Mm -hmm. That's a brutal moment. You know what I'm saying? That's a moment where like you are leaning into sort of like how people react into these elements, but like Cole's fucking ball. But I,
1: I, I, I think there's, like, scraps of that. But for so much of this movie, it's just this, like, quiet, brotherly dignity in a way that, like, I mean, you know what's good about Master and Commander, like, truly, is that Master and Commander is concerned with the logistics of it, right? Yeah. That, like, mm-hmm. Master and Commander gets so in the weeds with the fucking, like... yeah. Rationing and time passing, and like There's that, it also is so much about the, of, uh, the punishment, morale, but
2: it's the
1: a tactile punish- experience. Yeah. Master Commander is so concerned with the tactile experience of being on the boat in a way that this movie doesn't care about tactility. Um, the well, with with the tactile I don't know if it's the weird doesn't.
3: I don't know if it's the weird doesn't care about tactility in this movie. I, we are talking about very different magnitudes of of filmmaking resource that he's working with. From these three, sure. But if points.
1: anything, yeah. if anything like that should lead you to want to get smaller, to want to, to 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 minimize locations and spend more time on a specific space rather than like blow through so much of this movie in like a montagey pace, which is so much of what it does, and like, not saying it's flawless, let's, you know. Let's I, get. No, I agree with you into at that point. the ele- the elephant in the room in this movie. Okay. Like, for me, the scene where I was like, what is well, the
0: the
1: there's nothing going on in this movie. How to talk about this delicately. Okay. um, You guys have seen This is the End?
3: Yes. That's not the Edgar Wright one. That's the Seth Rogen one?
1: That's the Seth Rogen one. Okay, yeah. Best scene in, the, in This Is the End, and also probably the most contentious scene in This Is the End. Because this there day, an
3: Edgar Wright one of the like world's Very end, similar... which came yeah, out okay. two
1: months later. And yeah. this is the end. There's a scene in This Is the End where they've all been like crammed into this house together for who knows how long. And then Emma Watson stumbles into the house. And all of a sudden, the presence of a woman amongst these men is, like, so destabilizing that they basically just stand around and, like, start accusing each other of wanting to rape her (laughs) until she gets so weirded out that she's like, I'm going to handle the apocalypse instead, right? And it is such a smart and funny and, like, messy indication of, like, if these guys have been, like, cooped up in this space for so long just together, and all of a sudden now there's a woman here, like they would not be able to psychically handle it right like that would be a fucking they would react to that like they would the fucking like specks of water that they stumble upon and like i am not saying i want like to see a fucking like i don't i'm not saying i want to see cersera be sexualized in this movie or i want to see a rape scene in this movie or anything but D- 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 these men are treated with such like romantic, respectable dignity that, like, all of a sudden they stumble on a woman in this group and then they just continue to travel with her until she valiantly dies. And it doesn't impact anything. When, like, if you're telling a story about like the spiritual journey these men go on, all of a sudden after months stumbling upon this girl, that should matter right and it doesn't matter in this movie because this movie doesn't actually care i think about getting to these things mark that you're saying it's getting to
2: well i think no i i i I understand what you're saying and i think you're you're right to a degree where i kind of depart from that which is that like i find it admirable that these men take on a paternal role to her and i don't think there's anything to fault the movie I think where I am for you, you though, is I wish there was more of a journey to get there, to that moment where they're all standing around her grave. They're all like her fathers. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I wish it got there because she does. And I wish it spent a little bit more time individually developing connections, how she bounces off the cook or the artist, you know, how she bounces. I wish it did bounce off those guys more. I don't think I think there's like there could be like a question more of like if she falls behind and she hangs out with us are we just going to eat her like you know what i'm saying like is that going to be something i put up with having to like make that like i don't want to have to like go there well
1: cannibalism it, is another thing this movie like kind of like makes a couple silly jokes about but yeah. really should be this like psychic weight over the entire event. This movie is, but i Perfect. think that's like I think I know, but is... I'm saying, but I think you're giving this movie <laughs> way too much credit for like giving you scraps. And, I like, like the way skipping. he photographs but the, yeah. things and the
3: way he captures and sure. environment. That's not what he's I interested. That's not the watchable. story that he's interested Did in telling. Read... It's true. Like it's almost it's more shocking that they don't react to her that way because that's what you're as the viewer. That's not, what you're expecting. The second that it's not she an shows interesting up. diversion, you can kind of all feel
2: them thinking about it and then being yeah. like, "Fuck off! We can't have her here because we don't want to think about all that shit." We're more focused on surviving right now. And it's not like there
1: comes, but you, I don't, exactly. I don't think you feel that at all. And she comes anyway.
2: Maybe she Ebert. should be like seven. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she should be like,
1: <laughs> she should be something. She should matter to the movie in some way. Anything that happens no, should matter it is to true. the movie it is in some way and nothing matters. So Ebert, Ebert in his review, Do you like it? kind of Does brought like it? up. That point you were addressing, Mark, that like this movie is disinterested in the logistics of how they did it. And he brought that up in, in, as like a criticism of the movie. And his kind of conclusion for this movie is that this movie is too reverential to the true story it's doing to depict these men in like the messy realities of the truth. But as Eber also points out, there's a problem there, which is that again, the story is not true, and that was a known fact when they started production on this movie. So, so I, you have this not, this yeah, reverence I the in this movie because I didn't for know that. Myth. Can I, I didn't know that? So I wasn't watching I you, it through that. Yeah, can I read you the last paragraph of the Ebert review because I love it. And I think You're gonna gets do to it what, anyway. Some people have bad taste and others have taste more like mine. Yet my taste is large. It contains multitudes. There is room for vulgarity if it's well done. (laughs) It's a shame to say so, but perhaps it would have helped the way back if Peter Weir had relaxed his standards slightly, slipped in some dramatic conflict, and made better use of that pretty Polish girl. And like, well, I don't necessarily agree with that legitimately. This movie needs to be more vulgar. Like he's nailing it on the top of the head. It's too dignified.
2: I might
1: agree is. to an element but there's a yeah. I'm not saying I necessarily want the other extreme of The Revenant which is also a movie I don't like to be clear but oh, here. yeah, I'll say this the first time I did watch this movie
2: I was a little there was times where I was bored watching it and the movie ended and I was <laughs> like oh, you you just have a feeling in you where you're not like you, you're like oh that didn't feel like you know like, like there, there's moments and there's sort of like there's things that sort of stayed with me from the movie that like, even if they're not like emotional truths that people are sort of like tackling, and coming with, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's just like the way he makes
3: wind sound, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, like that's like... It's the way he makes the mirage look, you know? Yeah, it's 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 the way he captures those things and
2: as people, these are like technically like really well adept um, things, but I, I, story wise, I would agree to you I, I would agree with you and Ebert to a point. Like, no, you're right. Like, and that's where I do get hung up on this movie as
3: well. Like, I wish it would have gone farther in the opposite direction, Cole, from the one that you were talking about and the one that Ebert's alluding to. Like, I more wish more dignified, they
1: would... more more gentlemanly. Well, I'm, not, okay. I'm not
3: necessarily.
1: But uh... There's the other extreme of this thing is um, 49th Parallel, right? Mm. Have you guys seen 49th Parallel? the one it's one of the few i haven't seen Um, upsettingly we're saving it don't yeah 40 and peril is also a movie about like a crash a long perilous voyage to get out of a country that is hostile to them and get to a country that is where they're going to be safe in this case they are nazis who have crashed in canada and need to make their way to neutral america um but that movie is so concerned. <laughs> when did this with, movie like, come out? The, right before the right before Pearl Harbor. It's oh, a literal wild. prop. It's a literal prop. 43 two, forty three. I've never seen this it's movie. 41. before. Um, it's 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 Michael Powell. It's a Michael Powell movie. It's like his first big movie. Eh, we in uh, great movie, like incredible yeah. movie. But that movie has this almost like Agatha Christie as, and then There Were None esque structure, where like which which the Back also does, where like. As they make their way closer and closer to the destination, one by one, one of them doesn't make it, and so it's almost like a series of set pieces of like why why one of them doesn't make it. Now, they don't all die. Sometimes something else happens to them. Like Sometimes the they get injured. Sometimes they defect, like the gray. But like <laughs> that movie is so writerly, right? In it's like, well, every single one of these people has to matter. To the narrative because they have to Leave the narrative at some point Right it's got that like Old studio it's a British movie but it's Got that old studio system like Odyssey Narrative economy yeah. To it that this movie also Doesn't have where it's just like they just keep Puttering along but you Get these two extremes like You get character out of this brutality And you get character out of this like Tight as a drum screenwriting and You don't get character Out of like what if they just walked and we trusted the actors to do something? The movie's barely directed. I'm sorry. I think it's you could. Nice
3: I don't think you're right. I, I think you're wrong. I think you could get character out of
1: that, but a better could.
3: It has to be well, a better directorial job on this film.
1: Sure. Yeah. Connor, you're not because doing a great he, job of convincing he, me. He, this movie. If he
3: made this movie, if he made this movie the same way he made Master and Commander, I think you're getting kind of what I'm alluding to. But, but
1: that's what I'm saying, is that Master Commander yeah. is is concerned with so much different stuff. Master Not like Commander I, is concerned with, like, like, narrative. How do you
2: punish someone very, like, viscerally and brutally on a ship for breaking rank, but then also retain the morale of the men? Yes! You know it's about how you keep this balance of respect. Minutia. Of course, but, like...
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I think I he think got... Like I know you guys. I saw you guys rolling your eyes at me when I was like, and then they just walk, and then they keep walking, and then they walk some more. But that is really all they do in this movie. Yeah, but like, have
3: you ever have you ever seen a Diamonds of the Night?
1: Beyond Nemec, a masterpiece. What are you yeah. talking about? You know what Diamonds of the Night is? Less I, than half as long as this movie is.
3: It is. It is. But there are qualities to that film that I'm like, oh, if we was able to appropriate those qualities. Then he could have made the film that he appears to have wanted to make.
1: Immediate big picture difference between Diamonds of the Night and this. Well, I'm not saying they're the same movie. But I'm I know, just but, saying but, but, that but,
3: movie is more in line with with what I think he was intending okay. to do with this. But and that's not... a movie
1: about running, right? That's a uh, that is a yes. That movie is intense. I think they're right. That movie more than is running. What? They're limping but but, but more than running. But energy yeah. wise, that is a movie that runs. Right, that there's nothing lethargic about that movie, it is about the like, yes, yeah, pure nightmarish tension of having to do this. And this movie is more concerned with the endurance of it, and that's not that's a less interesting mode of filmmaking.
3: I think it's, I think it is a less stimulating mode of filmmaking, but I, you know, what the
2: movie feels would like, would find
3: though? it pretty compelling. You know I like, movie... I find Lawrence of Arabia compelling, yeah. The movie
2: feels, feels like it's. <laughs>
3: The really movie feels like it's filming
1: them. Oh gosh. <laughs> I did not fucking compare this movie to Lawrence of Arabia. No, it's just the first one I could <laughs> think
3: of of like people moving slowly in the desert.
1: Yeah, if this movie yeah. was directed by David fucking Lee, know. yeah, it would be good. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> This movie does, is front loaded with that it. it's a National Geographic film, but it does feel like he's very third party from them. It does feel like he's sort yeah. of filming
3: them. Well, it's kind like of what it's, I'm pointing to is like, I don't think he he's, was able to he's accrue distancing the resources himself okay. from the. If you look at the, the production companies that this way, movie was made with, like, he clearly wasn't capable of doing what he had done on Master of Commander or the Truman Show before it. But another, movie go obs- to the desert. another movie of another movie he made the, of the like- mistake of not minimalizing his yeah. production ideals of this in line with what he had access to, but that's hard to do when you're making, like maybe the most accurate naval okay accurate early nineteenth century naval warfare right. movie ever made. Let,
1: let, let's let's say something though here. This movie costs thirty million dollars. Mm. Uh, the Truman Show costs $60 million. So you're right, this is half the budget of the Truman Show, and shows. there's 15 but, years in between them. But you are forgetting that Jim Carrey costs $20 million. So this movie actually only costs $10 million less than the Truman Show
3: 15 right? years later.
1: Yeah, so okay. still, but like, and it's
3: expensive, it's expensive He's to get crews good... out to the locations where they're shooting in. That's the most expensive part. Is like just getting the people Go there. to
1: California. They've been doing it for forever. Every every weather, every biome. More expensive than how much did Fury Road cost?
2: Okay, cool. would you like this movie maybe if it was more of a uh, a real happy movie, y'all, like Escape from the Gulag movie, like like the first thirty minutes? Like, what do you think of the dynamics of the Gulag in the I first? Mean, I 30 think minutes? the first thirty because minutes because that's like where the you get part of this movie. That's where you get the most Colin too. I did. The, 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 there's Colin beats in there that I really do like. I feel like he, if he made a movie that was more of a prison break movie and he had to deal with sure. sort of like like it was on a ship, the dynamics of men in a prison I mean, like you're that.
1: speaking my language, right? You're like, that, <laughs> no, that just but sounds I think, like a good movie.
2: No, I know. I, I, I think there's moments in the first 30 minutes of this movie where you understand sort of like Colin Farrell's power structure. You think he's sort of this sort of like top dog and yeah. the guy belittles him in this sort of like beautiful way where he goes and he gets the guy to stretch to like sketch out the butt for him when <laughs> the guy licks and sticks on his chest you know
1: just to of... clarify you're asking me if i want to watch a very like process heavy prison break movie starring ed harris colin farrell and mark Starr. i'm
2: trying to get you to talk
3: about <laughs> the first 30 minutes where colin is too well, like what I, you I think actually of... well i think I the wanna... biggest issue with this probably if we're talking about the fidelity to the quote-unquote real thing that's not a real thing that this is based on um which maybe we should explain that concept to as well but I I think like the the bigger issue to that and maybe maybe the qualifier for the biggest highs and lows if you if you're looking at how these swings happen in the career of Peter Weir it's like he is not the writer he has writing credits on these films but he is not the originator of the majority of these stories and like a lot of his I think almost every film in his career, he's essentially operating in fidelity to the story that he has been given by another screenwriter and making minor adjustment and adjustments and changes to it that into his own writing credit. But I do like the one actually the, the film of his that I think too, other than Gallipoli, that I think of the most when watching this is um The Mosquito Coast. And I, I do like I do wonder what this movie would have been like if there was a little bit of Heart of Darkness in it. Oh the Peter Weir. Of, yeah. They uh, kind of, of, like, of like that Peter Weir who made that movie. Yeah, if if they kind of if if this crew of people kind of like it goes against this story, as we're saying, the like ultimate yeah. endurance worthy struggle of just like it persisting through these extreme environments. But if, if there was like a moment, and I, the, the thing that I think in my head when I'm comparing it to something like the mosquito coast is like, if, if it could like luxuriate in them finding existence outside of the conflict, that like put them in the situation in the the first place. I think that's where you get like a lot of the drama that you're missing out on. Yeah. There's Harris is the
2: mastermind who escapes them, who has this idea for how they can survive out there and more of Jim just is sort of a, a surrogate for surviving under that pressure where it's like men are always going to like, you know,
1: can I just say power over
2: each other? The two
1: of you have come up with a multitude of interesting ways to like <laughs> fix this movie which leads me to ask the question that's a good point what's the case you guys are making for this movie because you've made a good case that it's not terrible but i'm sorry neither one of you have convinced me that you actually think this movie is good
3: well if i if you don't mind me speaking for the both of us for a second mark i think based on what no, you've said don't. what i've said i think we both appreciate like the aesthetic eye, there's a texture. Handed it, yeah. There's
2: a texture to the movie that I, I, I just you don't see in movies. So many movies similar to this.
3: No, I know, <laughs> but like it's
2: a, text. a texture that, like, it, it's I think it's like you
3: know the shot when they find the well uh, in the desert, and I, I don't remember which man it is, but he puts the damp cloth over his head and like presses it into the crevices around his eyes, and it like yeah. forms around his mouth. It's shots like that in this film that I really like.
1: But don't you want more yeah. of that? i do i'm not saying it's a yeah. five-star movie i'm saying you're you literally it saying because... it's a four and a half star movie though i saw your letterbox right i
3: i that was a mistake i changed okay. it like right oh, at the beginning. okay yeah. oh
1: this whole time sometimes okay. you make mistakes cole i've never made a mistake in my life <laughs> no
3: this
2: movie is this movie the first time i watched it, it was a very soft seven i was a little <laughs> bit more tired of it this time but i like, literally Cole, cole, cole right
3: before we started recording i changed it to four stars
0: <laughs> you're, not at, you right know, you're not convincing.
2: Right before we start recording, you're not convinced. It might me be a little be higher than I have it, but like I can respect it, and I like. Ugh. I don't know. I just want to make sure you're not discrediting this man as sort of an author. I think he can be. Um, oh,
1: I'm not discrediting him because of this. I'm discrediting him because. Of the entire body of work and my legitimate, honest bafflement that he has which spoken about. Which fucking of that movies island. of his have you seen?
2: I, I hope people who don't it's just not listen to this podcast, anything. who don't know who I am, are like, who's this guy they bring on to just yell at one of the co-hosts? He's my best friend. I can tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> um, any single time. I feel I like seen, it. <laughs> <seen> <laughs> what have Picnic? you fucking seen?
1: Picnic, which is an incredible movie. I've Masterpiece. Seen Dead Poets. I've seen Truman. With I've seen... You it's haven't seen Fearless. Good. Master and Commander. I haven't seen Fearless. I've seen Witness. Witness is really good.
3: Have you seen The Mosquito Coast? Not the, seen the Mosquito Coast. The Lip- See, that, that explains that explains oh. your that, okay. that film oh, that's <laughs> is
2: the one that I watched that most blew me away. It might be my like second yeah. favorite of his movies. That movie is like so heart-wrenching. That's the perfect version of this movie. It's just like how he like and there's moments like it.
1: I Gallipoli is your least favorite runtime though.
3: Gallipoli is very good.
1: I was in a car with Mark for an unfathomably long time, and there was about a straight hour where he was just screaming about how he thinks that every movie that's an hour and 50 minutes long is cowardly.
3: I've never heard that take before, Mark, but I'm on on board with you. I'm on board with you. I
2: just think it's one of the worst runtimes for me. I I never like seeing it. Almost
3: every movie. I can see
2: the pace being off when I see 150. I'm just like... There's I was not to say. Almost just, every
3: movie that's 215 is better yes, than a movie no, no, that's No, it's going to be a little lean or it's going to have a little fat.
1: 215 is the one where I like go to Wikipedia and I see runtime 135 minutes and I'm just like I'm completely turned off. 150 neutral. 215 well, What? Yeah, I know. This is 213. This, yeah, this I, is 213, I texted little... you this morning. I was like, "Oh, no. <laughs> What's going on?" I, I fully thought this movie was like an hour forty-five.
3: Oh, so cool! My thing yeah. though is, outside of Gallipoli, uh, which I I co sign as a good movie, um, the the Mosquito Coast kind of tanks your argument for Peter Weir being like this strange <laughs> capitalist, uh, uh, like his entire filmography being supported by this like propagandist. Um, hatred of of communism because that film is like a direct condemnation (laughs) of of uh like intellectual american conservatism
1: so i will say this i i found this interview with him from the the time of this movie where someone like asked him about the politics of it and his basic answer was like he started off being like well i just don't like tyrants and then he dug into it and he was basically like yeah, I had a lot of this like milk toast, like leftism, like a lot of artists do. Um, and then, like, I, I, but I wasn't super political. And like, I'm really just responding to the book. And then he goes on like a long tie right about how you can't make right wing movies because everyone in Hollywood, like all filmmakers are left wing. And I'm like, no, I think this is like late in life stuff that he's like earnestly advocating in this movie because of the way he like dodges answering those questions and then like, doesn't answer them, and then, like, comes back later and is like, let me let me make a point about that, though. Like,
2: No, right. but, like, Master, Master and Commander yeah. is about, like, how you...
1: Master and Commander is about how cool the fucking British Empire is. Shut up. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a textbook imperialist film. Mr. I don't like tyrants you made Master and Commander. Are okay, come on. Are,
2: are, are you paying attention to things Paul Bettany is saying in that movie? Yeah, he's
1: a cuck who, like, Russell Crowe dunks on in that movie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: can we agree i i i view the politics in this film very it's almost it's almost a a comparison i don't want to make because the the other film is so much better than this but it's it's in the same way that like uh pavlikowski's cold war treats the difference between communism and stalinism that, and that, that movie is, I think, Stalinism.
1: ultimately dis. But they go back across the border, right? Like, that movie's politics are messy in a way that is thoughtful. This movie's politics are clear in a way that is, like, unconscionable.
2: I'm, like, so unsmart about all that shit. Like, I watch Cold War. I don't think about, like the politics of them winding back up there i just think about how like tragic it is for both of them
1: yeah cold war if you you read a lot of stuff about life in the iron curtain i actually think there's something very true to, to cold war being like they chafe and they hate it and it sucks and they're like they're like being held down by the communist government and then They go over to the West, and they're like, "Oh God, this is so much worse! (laughs) Like, oh God, this is just vile! Like the the propaganda doesn't even get to like just as like on like a what it's like a cocktail party in Paris.
2: (laughs) That's not even like a political
1: level. It's like social. But that's what I'm saying is this movie has this very like Western because to to clarify, this memoir was written by an Englishman, right? Yeah, like like that's also part of it is that.
3: Can we explain this? Can we explain yeah, this? Yeah, uh, I I don't first. know what this is cool. Let me, called. Yeah, Let me break this, this down. So this
1: is. this this movie is based on a memoir from the fifties, uh called The Long Walk, which is about I mean, all the character names are changed, but if you are actually wondering like what's going on like dramaturgically with who's in this movie and like when they like filter off, my understanding is it's like it's all in the book, right? so like a teenage girl did join them and then die later. Like one of them did go back into Russia. Like four of them did survive. But this, this book that was written by this pole living in England in the fifties um, that was written by a British journalist, right. Who interviewed him Like classic ghostwriting stuff um, about escaping from a gulag in Siberia and walking to India in 2006. So years before this movie enters production, right? Just to clarify, it's an independent thing. The BBC is like 50th anniversary of this book. Has anyone fact-checked this? <laughs> and they went and look, and the Russians had full records of the guy this book is about, including all the documentation of when they let him out of the Gulag and how they transported him to Palestine through Iran, right? Like, there's a long-running paper trail of like this guy was let out of jail and like expatriated right so you'll see if you look around all this like apocryphal stuff of like well some british officer said he saw some dude in the desert who said he had walked from siberia that's all post facto after the book comes out Mm -hmm. it's it's complete hogwash and it's complete hogwash at the Height of the Cold War is a cultural artifact, right? Like there, there are political reasons for this book to exist in the 1950s. I think this movie takes that completely uncritically.
3: Yeah, no, I get aside from the issues of the the um, how true to life this story may or may not be. I just, I it's difficult for me to read politics into it the way that you it are
1: ends. With the Berlin Wall falling and everyone cheering,
3: yeah, because at, like I said, it's because it, up until that point he couldn't return to
1: see his wife. But but this is my point: is that like that's yeah. the story you're choosing to tell? You're not. That's the Berlin Wall does not have to fall at the end of this movie because you have boxed yourself into that being the only satisfying like epilogue. You're 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 telling. No, a made I think up it's more. I think it's more like cross the iron curtain
3: i think it's more a duration a, a, like a marker of the duration of like he made it out this is literally how long it would have taken him to be able to find his way back in
1: he didn't need to find his... but he would have gotten arrested am i he also the life the isn't real right like the <laughs> yeah, wife but regar- real.
3: regardless if this if you're looking at this as a fictional story just purely a fictional story He would have gotten arrested had he returned to Poland after the war.
1: Sure. Yeah. But then you're like, but why is this the fictional story you're telling? Like, you can't... This movie does not exist... The politics are not incidental or accidental in this movie, right? Like, and it is so... But I'm saying I don't
3: think the politics necessarily, like, exist in the first place of this movie. There is
1: a... There is a scene where the movie stops dead so one character can be like, can I tell you about the time I saw a communist, like, put his thumbs into a child's eyes? And they all just, like, sit around a campfire and talk about communist war crimes. Like, th- this movie is not divorced <laughs> from these politics. And to me, to be clear, I am not, like, morally offended by this movie. I am baffled that this movie came out 20 years after the fall of the Berlin Wall because it's just so politically out of step with culture but like reading that interview with peter weir it really does feel like he read this book and it fired up the this old ass man got these like latent anti-communist feelings like fired up in him that's interesting um,
3: I, I feel like if had i read this interview that you're referencing maybe i would see yeah. what you're um because that happens to me too where sometimes pilots. like i read an interview and then pilots. i read into Said he goes off about how you can't you
1: like it. critique Castro for anything, which is insane because, like, all man. everyone ever does is shit on Castro. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the most vilified man in the world in 2010. Yeah. Um, Should we do Sersha? Can we agree that Sersha has nothing to do in this movie? And no, it's like a waste of really. Sersha. Yeah. yeah. So, Mark, I know you're like morally offended that I said Colin is maybe my favorite Irish actor. Yeah. The the only qualifier is that Sersha Ronan is such a fucking good actor that That's I don't cool. know
3: that every time I bring this up you're like she's not actually an Irish actor
1: yeah that's my other thing yeah she's irish i just like to i just like to remind people that every time
3: i say this mark every time i say what he's about to <laughs> he say on the podcast uh... cole's like well she's not actually an irish actor it's it's...
1: Nice, it's well, what, I, what i was actually gonna say is that like she's such a fucking good actor that i i, I feel like if you put her in the head to head with anyone i'm like inclined to just give it to her because she's so obviously the actress of her generation right oh actor clearly of her generation clearly like How many people, I don't even like talking about acting as being this like innate skill that people have, but she so clearly has this like immense control of her craft and she's like not even 30 yet. Um, She's just an undeniable talent. Yeah. Um, Which is why it's annoying to see this movie give her nothing to do. Uh, And she still like maybe gives the best performance in the movie. I don't know. Her or Colin do. Um, Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? Searcher run performance.
2: We'll go. I'll we'll we'll start off. I'll, I'll go easy. I'll go with Hana. Okay, Hana's on my Rushmore.
1: We also yeah. spent like an hour in that car ride talking about how good Hanna. it's true. It I'm also just coming
3: off us talking about Hana for an hour. A Good so. Bana, right? Or Bana? To form. a great. Banna. Is it Bana or Bana?
1: Bana, It's Bana. Bana. Yeah, it's Bana. Eric Bana. Uh, I have no idea. Bana. Bana. Speak yeah. to me about. Hanna. Speak to me about Hana the performance
2: i, I don't know I, so like that was like because like i like my mom didn't let me watch atonement when it came out cause i think she'd seen it she's like that movie just feels like really gross I i think that movie just felt gross and she didn't want me watching it and so i think um hana was the first sort of saoirse movie i watched and i had such like an a weird like crush on her as a kid because i was also like afraid of her in that movie because she's so fucking like cool and like scary. Uh and that's like so that was for me like her like her big like I know like atonement was like her big breakout movie, but for me it's it it's Hana. And so that's that was like my introduction to like um I don't know. And I think like the whole atonement thing was like this is an actress like you'll know, we haven't seen where she feels like she has like sort of like the emotional intent- like, intelligence of a much older actor where it's not that she she's not precocious you know she's like actually like exactly it's she's, not, not, she's precocious. not she's not precocious at all um and and so sort of the thing about Hannah is like how seriously like how or like how like crazy that situation is how like crazy that story is or how, whether you view it as a fairy tale Cole and i were talking about is this sort of like alice in wonderland type thing but like you buy every single thing about that movie i feel like because of how well she plays that character mm-hmm. uh and I all the physical all the fighting elements of it she's you're, you're just like it's just like a fucking like fireworks show of a performance like she's fantastic in it and i think she should do more action i don't know she, she, yeah. because she's there there's like a, a, like a an earnest there's an earnestness about that where you like you buy yeah. in it's great it's awesome it's it's, it's incredible it's now but like yeah it's, it's undeniable
1: no, I great first pick all right yeah I did jujitsu don't this, get, so I You don't get, get, get to go, go first. I do get to go first. first. Oh, you do get to go first. Yeah. Connor went first last time. So, oh. Mark, as you've as you've figured out here, the game with this sure. is to, like, try to second guess what the other person's going to pick. And maybe, like, use that to your advantage to, like, basically get multiple picks on the board, right? Yeah. So, for instance, I know what Connor's about to do, right? Connor, do you think I he's could... going to be right?
3: I think he knows exactly. I know exactly
1: what Connor's about to do, and I I feel feel like
3: he's going to do something that I don't want. More
1: confidently than anything in the world, I know exactly what Connor's going to do, and I could use that to fucking slap Lost River on this motherfucker (laughs) right now. I knew it. I absolutely knew it. But I know. I said I could do that. But you're not going. I decided to play a different game because I maneuvered it. So I would get to go first because I, in fact, want to be the one who gets to be on the record as doing the thing that Connor also wants to do.
3: See, that's the other part of the game. That's the other
1: part yeah. of the game is sometimes you want to be the person who puts Brooklyn on the Search Ronan, mm-hmm. not Rushmore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm doing. I, I truly think melodrama is the hardest thing for an actor to do. But Yes, definitely. Because yeah. it is so easy to go big but that's not actually what you want to do. You almost want to give them nothing. You want to surrender yourself to the narrative, right? And like in the past 25 years, has anyone done that better than Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn, right? She just, she trusts the script. She trusts the director. She never chooses to get in the way of that. And she achieves this like ecstatic human honesty, In a way that's just breathtaking. It's just a, it's a mind-blowing performance. It's like a fucking Jane Wyman level performance, right?
3: I think in other genres, as an actor, or actors can protect themselves in other genres through the specific characteristics that those genres offer, like an actor in a prisoner of war film for example can protect Mm -hmm. themselves by doing the hard actor work that's expected of them losing weight growing out the scraggly beard stuff like that in melodrama you have to play exactly to the emotion that you know the majority of your audience has already felt in their lives before and is like being represented back to them Uh. on screen and and that's what makes it so difficult and that's clearly what makes her i think the predominant actor of her generation
1: Uh, and on top of the fact that she also then has to she she is saddled with this like invisible like impossible task of somehow navigating outdated gendered and sexual and social like rules on screen that a way that feels like True to a contemporary audience, which I think, like, she that is so falling so much on her shoulders in that movie, um, in a way that she just does so effectively. And, like, I think that's a movie so many people just like poo poo sight unseen, and so they never actually watched it. And if you do watch it, you understand. I mean, we've we have said that it is the one official stance of the podcast above the title is that brooklyn is a masterpiece right connor yes yes uh, we have said it's, that it's an incredible performance you should have won the fucking oscar um sorry bruce larson uh that's yeah. all right connor i just sorry so i had to i'm sorry i had to, I had to.
3: um Obviously, there's quite a few amount of films that I could pick. Uh, we might have to
1: revise this in a couple of years. Is the other thing
3: that's the interesting thing that is. Yeah. I mean, we almost will definitely have to revise yeah. this in some time, considering she is, I, I believe, only like a few months older than I am. Um, so we have, you know, yeah, she's two we years have decades. Than me.
1: She's not thirty yet.
3: We have decades ahead of us. Um, that we're going to be able to pull from at some point in time. She's got an addiction uh, drama in
1: the pipeline. She's got Foe in the pipeline. Uh, she's got the Steve She's, got, the steep she's got Blitz. Yeah. That's going to be uh, crazy. Can't wait to figure out what weird politics Blitz has. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know that his fucking Amsterdam documentary has a bunch of COVID stuff in it, right? No. What? What?
3: What's the like premise? Do we know? Has that the been Amsterdam said? documentary? No, or no, Blitz? no. The uh of Blitz.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's just about the Blitz. I'm sure it's just him doing like Mrs. Miniver, right? Okay. Probably really good
3: i was just wondering like I, I i i literally don't know what the actual like stated pre- or like what I, I the pitch of that i'm of that captivated
1: movie is. to see if harris dickinson has a second good performance in him um <laughs> that's that's rude he's been fine in a couple other things
3: yeah i'm like i doesn't he have two already
1: well he's, he's just so two. good in B rats and he's like never been as good as he is in B rats and
3: you you hate um uh uh triangle of sadness. I
1: have the correct opinion on Triangle of Sadness.
3: <laughs> sure, but I, yeah.
1: I, I don't love that movie either. I think he's pretty funny in it. Oh, I,
2: think I think he be I really think he could be funny in that movie. He's good in
1: he's good good to see how they run. run. He's good in good see how they run. Too. So is Search. <laughs> yeah. Search is well we'll Mark well, we'll get to it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going that route. Yeah. I think I'll make it pretty easy for Mark to to do whatever he wants to do. Um and and this is mostly just because uh, I don't feel especially moved to pick any of these remaining films more than the one I'm going to go with. And that is atonement because yeah. I just, good. good, I just, I find her in that film and especially the first time I saw it, which was maybe around the time Hannah came out around the time this, the way back came out. um, Just like absolutely dumbfounded and shocked that, uh, Someone of her stature and age at the time could give a performance like that in a movie. Just like, just the fact that that performance could exist out of that body was befuddling to me in a way that kind of um, really jarred uh, whatever expectations you could have from a child actor. And uh, it's.
1: Functionally her first movie, too.
3: Functionally her first movie. Pretty remarkable to think that literally the. The, the like essentially the moral weight of the film falls on her shoulders and yeah. um and not necessarily on the character's shoulders but like on her specific rendition of the character like specific looks shoulders. that
2: character just like, like gives exactly. you yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
3: like, like her her ability to her ability her ability as an actor at that age to hold like a deep elemental understanding of human relationship just based off of like the energy that people are giving off of each other within not... within adolescent naivete yeah. is just insanity that somebody was able to do that in any way whatsoever
1: mark you said the thing earlier about like it being maturity not precociousness yeah. and yeah. i think the trap that too, too many of those like wise beyond their years child actress fall into is that wisdom like bleeds into the performance in a yes. way that it shouldn't yes. and and it is like Paul, for to example kind of that, like
3: the the performance in Andine that yes exactly saw. yeah
1: that that Briany is so naive and that she's not you can tell that she the human is thinking on a level that briony is incapable of like an adult actor can't do that to that degree really you know the specifics
2: like, is that she's when i speak about wisdom and not precociousness it's yes. she's she's wise and she's still a child like she's exactly. not you know she's she she doesn't play it like an older person does she's you always still feel like she's just a yeah she's always a kid in those younger movies especially hot on atonement
3: like and uh, I, 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 I think know- to build off of what i said like there's a sense there's a sense with her in atonement that that girl does understand something true about humanity yes. and like she can feel it, but she doesn't know what specifically it is that she's feeling, which kind of like leads her to behave in the way that she's behaving, which is, yeah. I don't, it's just, you know, tell, tell me if I'm wrong. It's not something I think I've seen. And, and maybe it's because Joe Wright is, is a gifted and, and good director within that framework um it's it's not something that's typically portrayed from children in movies no yeah if ever Um, i'm I'm struggling to think of another mm -hmm. example that kind of like falls into that category
1: connor i know we both said that someone who wasn't nominated should have won the oscar that year but if you take her out of the equation like saoirse like so undeniably should have won the oscar that year right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so no offense to Tilda Swinton and Michael Clayton, which is also a wonderful performance. But like that sort of thing is just kind of undeniable.
3: The Tilda Swinton and Michael Clayton thing is like you're watching a gifted actor work. Yes. Like you, you understand what I'm saying? Like you're watching a craftsman do their job, which is great. I love when the Academy gives out those yeah. Oscars because that's kind of what the Academy Awards is supposed to be about yes. in the first place. But this this one is like I'm saying it's it's one of those performances that's like this was almost an impossible task. And yes. just the fact that you were able to pull it off uh, in its own right, as opposed to even like going beyond what anybody could have even reasonably expected from you is something different entirely.
1: All right, Mark, bring us on. I'm
2: going to go with Ladybird, just because while I think, uh, I mean, I mean, such I think like it's such a good accent. Yes. I think it's sort of like, <laughs> well, well, well my argument for it is Lady Ladybird. is Lady Bird. <laughs> Is, I think I think she's probably the it's just a you know I think a better use of her comedically and and see how they run she's funnier so funny. and see how they run and I yeah. think it's probably a better performance in Little Women I think that Lady Bird is the perfect I crystallization maybe bits. well the thing about Little Women for me is that like that is a character that's existed for so long and she still finds something new to give it which is such a good example of her as an actor but lady bird is like the the fucking ham, hammer on the gavel it's just like this it's woman's The a obituary star movie
1: it's the obituary movie
2: yeah no it i is. don't know
1: if i floated this concept to you mark but i've been saying this in the podcast a lot of times the i don't like this
3: being to... the regular thing that we were going it's so fatalist to me it makes me uncomfortable every time it's, it's very cool it's very cool
1: yeah. just the idea of like what's the movie that's after their name I like it
3: better thinking like obituary. this is the first paragraph on Wikipedia movie.
1: Well, but Wikipedia is the last often line in the bumps... in the
3: first paragraph. It but was, Wikipedia was known will for... often
1: bump early movies and Oscar movies up. And IMDb known for is weird. There is something about that, like, what do they put in the headline of your obituary? And it's gonna be Lady Bird for her. No matter what happens, it's gonna be Lady Bird. I know. It it it's yeah. the movie that like another analogy
2: called that is a little less fatalistic is that like
1: no Everyone matter, dies.
2: Sure, she's 29. No matter what happens for the rest of her career, exactly, on, her IM, on her IMDb 4 posters, yeah. Lady Bird will always be on there. Yes. No matter right what now? movies she makes in the future. It right well, it's different now because they changed was? the fucking website. But Cole and I played that game where you have to guess an actor's 4 IMDb posters. I don't know if you've played that with you, Connor. You just pick a character actor or somebody and what's their 4 it movies. It is not
1: currently in her known for
2: on the website oh bro- we the, website's, the website's broken now what should we guess it? what it is
1: i'll give you a hint the other three movies we picked are up there Oh, really? but the fourth one is not ladybird is it little so Woman? is it
3: little women no it's not little women is it uh the lovely bones
1: it's the lovely bones wow okay
3: <laughs> weird
1: just saying just saying um hana weirdly pole position People have be been Googling HANA. lately. position
3: on Hanna. Um, Hanna is a very, can I, I think, underrated movie. Yeah. Can, can I say point? something about Lady Bird? To thing.
1: Someone said this to me recently on Lady Bird. And Mark, I actually do think it was you, but apologies if it wasn't. But that part of what's great about her in Lady Bird is that so many scenes in Lady Bird are so short. Like, less than 30 seconds. And that she has to like convey a full scene arc in what is functionally like a snippet um, is a hard thing to do. That was not act. me, but that's such a good point. I, 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 I'm sorry. Was that was that you, Connor? I apologize. Uh, this, is I that that I, this is not an it's idea good, that this is not an idea that I came to point, originally. Though. Someone pitched this. Might have been Morgan. Um, it it uh, sounds like something more good than analyzed. If, it if, just if, does if sound you're like listening, something. and you were the person who said this to me, I apologize for misattributing this to you. And you were very smart for saying this, and it's Smarter a very me. incisive point to have made about Lady Bird.
2: Yeah, my, my point about Lady Bird is that she's a good actress. Yes, that's like how. You, Mark. That, that's the extent of how clever yeah. I am.
3: <laughs> my take on Lady Bird is that that person for eighteen-year-old Connor was the type, and. <laughs> she would have ruined my life. So I was very uncomfortable when I saw the movie the first time. Like I left the movie, like, I don't like that. And I had to rewatch it again. Do
1: you, rem- Do you remember what I said, by the way, Connor last week about Jeff Bridges and the big Lebowski and how that's such a giving performance because he's secretly like teeing up every other actor in that movie <laughs> yeah. to get the like yeah. good bits. That is what Sersha is doing in Lady Bird too, is that she's like, grounding the movie so everyone else can get like a little big and a little wacky with it yeah um in a way that she's almost not allowed to even if she's the focal point of every scene well she's coming in manic so tracy let's can just come in with like a little bit of like exactly a, but
3: like
2: uh, you know, <laughs> you know? <But> like <laughs> and just you, be like just react you, to her like
1: but you even walk that's away like from a... lady bird if you're me i feel like most people walk away from lady bird either being like holy shit Laurie Metcalf, or holy shit, Tracy Les. But so much of that is that Sersha is just like fucking lobbing them, you know, softballs for, for them to bounce off her, right? Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, I think Lucas Hedges might benefit the Hedges most is
1: from, fucking, so fucking yeah. good in that movie. Oh but my God. he really, but
3: every every line Hedges has reaction. in that movie, every line that, if it's like a volleyball game, he's spiking yeah. every line and they're all being set by Sersha. Exactly. Yeah.
2: He, he, he has um, the guys. tough job of acting off of Sharon. Of it's just like <laughs> he has to look at her and be like, "Wow,
1: she's so cool."
2: Oh, <laughs> poor
3: Lucas edges.
2: It's like, yeah, he's fucking yeah. selling it
0: because she's.
1: It's also interesting that that movie like pulled her out of the Kira Knightley trap where even though like kira uh-huh. Miley, she mostly does period pieces and yeah. even though lady bird is a period piece i don't think anyone thinks of her as someone who's like stuck in the past like they think of kira as someone who's stuck in the but past. but it's so you know? weird she
2: goes back to kira mode for like the next like it's all she does is kira out of five movies it's not yeah
1: but but she'll never be thought of like kira is because just even supporting though Role
2: and see how they run is so weird because you're like why are you is supporting so sam rockwell funny she's not even co-lead in that movie
3: I want it's, her to have. I want her to have the real Wes Anderson like lead yes. time. Like I want that I, to happen. Have so you seen lead. a movie about her as like a con artist? That'd be a cool
1: movie. Yeah. Connor, have I you know. seen see, see how they run? No, I haven't seen see how it's, they She's run. She's just fucking. Yeah. Mark to answer the question of why is Saoirse and see how they run it's because she just wanted a movie where he could just show up and just fucking like lob zingers at you left and right and very little is asked of her she could just steal that movie out from under that she plays like like a budding young police detective who's just like better at her
2: job than everybody thinks she is because she's everybody's like you take this too seriously and she's like no but
3: like (laughs) can I ask you comparison wise yeah is she the Lakeith Stanfield of Knives Out for see how they run?
1: If she's Lakeith, Lakeith should do, yeah. Okay. If if, the, if, if Ryan anything, Johnson was like, I'm anything, actually going to use Lakeith
3: Stanfield.
1: If we're talking about Knives Out and not Glass Onion, the the actual mm-hmm. analogy is, I think, almost uh, Daniel Craig.
0: Oh, because wow. Because
1: okay. you ask, why does she? do Yeah, that role. exactly. It's the same reason Daniel Craig does that role. Is you get that script and you're like oh literally all I do is the good stuff like those yeah. aren't hard performances to give you're just like oh you're giving me all the fun lines you're giving me all the jokes you're giving me all the movie star energy I don't really have to
2: act Rockwell like. has like the Marta strung out like I have yeah. to like grapple with like things about this where she's yeah. I get to just show Be up the and coolest zingers. person in this movie like I get to like do bits yeah. at a crime scene it's
1: yeah fun. it's it's know. a very easy thing of like why do you take that supporting role in that movie because it is a part to that just makes you look like a rock star And the movie's not great yeah the movie's yeah. good it's a good movie it's better it's better than that. there's movie. a reason you didn't like here you had to rush out to see it but she's great i told it. connor to rush out to see it okay I personally I don't, don't I don't, don't want to
3: give you the uh the satisfaction, but like I am just seething right now that you got to pick Brooklyn and I didn't get to pick I know, Brooklyn. I know, I'm sorry.
2: You do you have to have seen it coming day. a mile away
3: when he set you up first for What but did you... I I really threw you off one of them. Yeah. Um Oh
1: when you picked we, you it. picked Miami Vice.
3: Oh yeah! So that's what yeah. it is.
1: Yeah. After after our entire friendship being built on me being the Miami Vice guy and you being the Heat guy, I picked took Miami Vice, the glory yeah. of me saying Miami Vice. I even said on in the episode, most important episode of the yeah, podcast, I even said on that episode that what you functionally did was give me three picks, and it still <laughs> sucked that you did that. I gave you two picks, Connor. I really did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Oh, um, man. Okay, dude. We Ferrari. have to talk about Colin Farrell because we have to stop this recording in like twenty five minutes.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I have to go get dinner with our guests, and I'm not anywhere near his apartment. I, I, I'm thinking like if you could be at dinner at seven, you know, yeah, it's going to gonna take it. me like an hour to yeah, yeah. get down there. I might want to all, right, all right, and all then, right. then we're
2: gonna go see bottoms. Going. It's gonna be we're a gonna see
1: go bottoms with his wife. It's gonna be it's a gonna gonna good, be good night
2: in Chicago. It's gonna be
1: let's great. get let's um, get going. I think, we have to talk about Colin. I
3: think he's he's pretty great, but like it's it's he's being able he's being allowed to do stuff it's
2: the one character who kind of like has a thing has an identifiable thing he's a nihilist he's like a super stalin head he's got a cool knife he's a wolf you know like
1: he's the one shows up in this movie and you're like this movie's been so glum this whole time and then he shows up as basically Looney Tunes Boyka from Undisputed 2 which I don't know <laughs> if you've seen Undisputed 2 guys but <laughs> he basically shows up and he's like I am God's most perfect fighting machine this is my knife book he is doing the most like over the top Russian accent he's the comic relief in a movie that is otherwise like aggressively humorless Um, I think he, he
2: has the most dynamic character and his character should feel like he's running as soon as they leave the gulag his character is the one who's like i have the knife i'm the tough guy i'm gonna fend for us but he's set up in the gulag is sort of like very insecure you know what i'm saying he's like a very insecure man so he actually has the most to play with where he is kind of like leeching off of them for a little bit i think he gets to the point i kind of don't know why his character leaves i think his character has a great moment when he leaves and You know, Stur just looks back at him as sort of like this guy, like...
0: Yeah.
1: The movie spends a lot of, like, shoe leather explaining why they want him there. The answer basically being that he has this knife that he won't let them take, and they need the knife. Um, The movie spends very little shoe leather explaining why he would go with them especially when you get to the ending which is that they get to the border and he's like bye see no make, i love he says Stalin. that the
3: other yori is or vori the other vori is going to kill him in the prison because yeah, his
1: debt is too large buy it though this guy doesn't this guy gets out of scrapes right i don't know i, the, I don't know it makes sense to me it doesn't to me but yeah. whatever a very i know you guys didn't do much reading of the the reviews of this movie i only skimmed them a very contentious character when this movie came out really because i think he's so much be so bigger than everyone else
3: well that was the thing that i was going to say that leads exactly into the point i already made about scourges is yeah. like when they're when they first get away like far enough away from the gulag that they could kind of like dial back how the the ferocity with which they're moving and then um uh, Colin what's his character's name it's like know, some crazy Russian name his name um, is Vodka. Um, Vodka. Yeah, Vodka Vodka runs up to Jim Sturgis and he's like you're the boss i will be your bodyguard or like something crazy yeah. like that and it's well, like yeah, better, if you have a better if you have a better performer in that protagonist role you will understand why the the vori russian mafioso hitman is so willing to like yeah. hand himself over to that guy because but instead because yeah. you have nothing from jim Sturgis, it's like impossible to understand why Vodka with a million times the charisma coming out of Colin Farrell's face would be, like, willing to hand himself over in that manner. It's
1: it's a very animalistic performance at times, too. Like, very base and, like, sensual. And there were points where I was like, oh, Colin probably would have been a good Wolverine. Um, You know, I've I've made the case that, like, Colin Farrell does have this, like, secret desire that he unleashes every so often to play, like, a gross little freak. Um and this is so so locked into what he does with Bullseye too. Oh yeah, just like about but that. but it's the same thing to me with Bullseye where I'm like or Jim Street or what or Jim Street Jim no. Street um, <laughs> Jim Street's a little you're free. going. You're going so <laughs> far and strange and base and grotesque with this character in a way that like the rest of the movie doesn't have a sense to which that like I watched this performance the same thing I watched Bullseye. I'm like, I really do feel like Colin was completely undirected on this movie and decided this was what he was going to do with it and no one reigned him in. And it's probably for the best, but also if this was the sort of movie where someone was gonna reign him in, the whole movie's probably better you know
3: which we've said is for me that is essentially the narrative that we have unlocked yes. um from watching it one movie at a time that's like yes. if the director isn't giving him what he needs from the outset he will make it himself and most of the time or not most of the time, every case in which the director is giving him exactly what he needs to do on camera, yeah. it's a better movie in the long run. This Mark is
2: McDonough is a very specific writer. Yorgos Lanthimos yes. like a very specific voice. Yeah, tone,
1: I think like even... Ma- Malik is a very specific director. I was going to say, yeah. Cole and I disagree
3: yeah. about the how the quality of the film to the extent... I think we both think it's a good movie. To clarify,
1: but, I like that movie yeah. quite a bit. I yes, 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 yes. I adore it.
3: But again like yeah malik is telling like malik is 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 while his process on set might be different it's clear that colin like stepped into frame with the knowledge of like how malik was going to use him in that film
1: but but i do watch this movie and i'm like for all that i think this is far and away the best performance in this movie it's pretty low on my like colin performances list and i am watching it and i'm like you're kind of amusing yourself right like you're given nothing to do, and so you, Colin, are making the fun for yourself as a performer. And it's fun to watch. Does it help the movie or does it hurt the movie? This is what, like, critics at the time couldn't seem to, like, get a hold on is – because some people were like, he's so much fun. And some people were like, this belongs in a completely different movie. And I think – That's a problem, right? Like... That's the problem. Yeah. But th- th- they are kind of right is that he feels like he's from a bigger, wackier movie.
3: Could you imagine? <laughs> not to just give. Not can, can I tell you my Connor's writers' workshop. Connor's aside from workshop, aside from we free music for that. Aside from every other like possibility we've thrown out there is yeah. like my prime example of like you're giving me the building blocks to make this movie yeah. is that you have. Uh, American who fled to the Soviet Union during the Depression to find more war- find work at Harris, and you have Russian mafioso Colm Farrell, and it's kind of like a buddy cop on the run type of deal. Yeah. The two of them
1: together trying to
3: make I- it to India.
1: <laughs> yeah. I watch it. Is the Harris character supposed to be a spy? I don't think the so. The movie like threads elements of that in. No, it does. All all the languages he speaks. All the languages he speaks like, that he been won't give name. Around I think he's supposed to decade. be
3: I think he's supposed to be a World War One vet. Yeah.
1: The the fact that the second he gets out of enemy territory, he's like, I have so many options of how to get myself back to the States. Like then he like knows who he needs to go talk to, almost like it's existing like routes for exfiltration. Yeah, true, I guess.
3: Um But he got his son killed.
1: That might be bullshit. I don't know. He he says says just that's way more interesting
3: i wish he that just, was, was like was... in the movie
1: yeah uh, like a lot of things yeah. with this movie it, like, <laughs> it invites so. it in this this is a movie that invites a good punch-up isn't it yeah you're just sitting there even you guys the guys who like it you're like giving it some 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 plus ups there
2: no i i just think that like i knew you were gonna hate this movie so i had to come in liking it fine enough and had to be like to speak to why I think it is fine enough, you know why it's not like this movie doesn't have to.
1: I totally thought I was going to like this movie, by the way, and then very quickly I was like, "Oh, this thing is a stinker."
3: Well, I think the biggest, I think the biggest mistake we're made is like he falls too far in the middle ground of it being like a yes. mainstream Hollywood epic and being yes. like the very subtle movie about just persisting that he seems more interested in making. I agree, and like I, what the the thing that grieves me the most about it is like the things that i do like aesthetically as we're talking about and the things that you do see in colin and sorcia and ed harris on screen and even gustav skarsgård who i think also gives a pretty good performance in this movie i
1: need to briefly interrupt uh we have breaking news david ehrlich has called the bike riders the new jeff nichols film the avengers of weird accents (laughs) <laughs> uh, and says that it doesn't really hang together but everyone's making a choice with each line okay hold up movie I have of the to year
3: incoming I have something to say about that movie too uh, <laughs> Unconnect- that you'll probably have to cut out of this uh, <laughs> I love Jeff Nichols so fucking much <laughs> I love
1: Jeff Nichols so fucking much even if he's only made like two good movies
3: um, but, he's made three uh, yeah he's fine looking at the way back yeah. What what yeah. I wish he would have done was make like an almost dialog
1: movie. Yes, yeah. a billion percent, yeah. right? And you get in what I'm dance... saying? It's
3: like he's caught in the middle. Like instead, yes. he should have just went in pure minimalism because that's clearly what he wants to do. Yeah. If you're looking at the actual qualities that this film has, he clearly yeah. wanted to make like a minimalist piece.
1: How long do you think they're on the road?
3: Oh, I don't know. Because this is another year? problem I have with
1: this movie is that I I yeah. have no idea. What if this movie was, yeah.
3: How long would it take to walk 4,000 miles? Map quest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, (laughs) Let's go.
2: It'd have been fun if you'd made, or even if you'd devoted a section to it of just like Search's point of view, that character following them, you know, and you have this very sort of like, you're zoomed out.
3: Ed Harris looks so heartbroken when that character perishes. Just so, like, you just look at his eyes. It just looks absolutely devastated, which is not something that like I anticipated seeing when you're introduced to his character at the beginning of the film, which is like uh, I think probably like the best example of what I like about this movie is like it's a dialogueless shot of of you get to see all the men like looking down at her as she passes away. And they all kind of like step into frame or the camera passes over them and they don't have to say anything. But other than Jim Sturgis, you understand what the other four men are feeling in that moment. They, they come in men. through
1: Nepal, yeah. right?
3: They do not come in through the Hindu Kush.
1: But they like come, they come in through Nepal. They co- they which come is another parallel
3: Nepal. that I was thinking. It was like, oh, this is another movie about Westerners making their way through the okay. mountains
1: into India. I have run a search. The walking distance from the prison that he was actually at. To uh to Kathmandu is fifty-two days. No, that's fifty-two days of uninterrupted walking. Yeah. But so probably took a year. Yeah. I would
3: say. Maybe less.
1: Six months probably. I don't know.
3: Well, they stop when they're in that like cave, they're just they're not moving. They're just yeah, in there. And right. he's like, I'll go try to find water.
1: Do we have anything else to say? Because we gotta wrap this up sometime soon. Do you have a game, Connor? I don't best movie walks
3: what 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 would your amount what would your rush more of, of a movie walks be uh
1: so number one is before sunset and yes. number yeah. two is before midnight and number <laughs> three is 49th parallel and ooh, what's number four what's a good walk what's a nice walk in a movie
3: uh, Billy they Lynch don't really walk.
1: go on a walk in Before Sunrise So like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt
3: walking in Between the
1: Towers <laughs> <laughs> You don't go on a
3: walk in Before Sunrise?
1: Not in the way that they go on a walk in Before Sunset and Before Midnight yeah. And you know that's true
3: It's not like one uninterrupted walk
1: like, like The
3: sequels yeah.
1: have like fucking walks in them, you know? Yeah Yeah. I mean, um, arguably, is it
3: nostalgia when he has
1: the, the never candle i seen out? it uh workers exiting the factory. Let me just do a blank check in and say it's fucking workers exiting the factory. <laughs> best I'm gonna see if there's a list that I can quiz you on a best movie walks. Let's see. All right, I got top ten movies with great uh walking great moments. Walking on. moments. Rails to Trails Conservatory, which I guess is a fucking advocacy advocacy no. group for public, public <laughs> no. hiking things. Okay, Sam I guess taking
2: the... his farthest step in uh, fellowship. He takes let's his farthest see, step is he's
1: that ever been on the list. The Lord of the Rings movies are collectively a spot on the list. No, it should be. So Sam this is like hiking. Step.
3: This is like hiking examples we're looking for here.
1: Kind not real, not always. Okay, number one, uh, they claim this movie is from 1942, but it's not. It's a pretty famous. This is probably the most famous scene in a movie of people walking. Like, there's a whole song about how they need to like start walking in this movie from the 30s on, like a particularly famous road. Oh, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Okay, number two, more of a skip, more of a a skip. You're going to see myself. Number two, this is like the iconic movie walking scene. Like, it's very short, but when people think of like someone walking in a movie they think of this opening credit scene from a certain movie
3: opening credits uh of just someone walking yeah um it's not shaft, like a re- like going it's through really walk-
1: no i one might say it is a white knockoff of shaft a white knockoff like like of not like the movie but like the scene like they saw Shaft start with Richard Roundtree walking to Funk, and they were oh, like, what if our movie it's started... It's The Graduate. What if our movie started with a white actor walking to white music? The but Graduate. it's similarly cool. It's not... Graduate came up before Shaft, you mouth Oh, it's true, it's true,
3: it's true. Yeah. Well, what would I be thinking? It's not uh, Saturday Night Fever. It's Saturday Night Fever. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, number three is a movie I saw once as a kid and do not like, and so I don't remember the walk in it. Uh, people really like this movie. Does that mean um, it's from the 90s? It's from 1982. Mm. It's 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 a film by one of the greatest American artists of all time. I've never mm. particularly cared for it. They did a TV Netflix sequel recently?
3: 1982 TV Netflix. I don't sequel. remember there being one. Of the in the movie's nest? This movie.
1: What? One when of the when do you think movies come out? I don't know. This is a movie for children I was, but thinking, it's of, very... I was thinking of Netflix TV sequels They had that Ryan Murphy This is like a famous dark kids movie
3: I'm not up on my Netflix uh, expand, <laughs> expanded Netflix The universe sequel Netflix. starred
1: Taron Edgerton Anya Taylor-Joy, Natalie Emanuel Harris Dickinson, Gugu Mbatha-Raw Catriona Balfe Helena Bonham Carter, Jacek Isaac Simon Pegg, Benedict Juan, Mark Hamill what the fuck? Like oh, yeah. oh, 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 it's the dark crystal. It's the dark crystal. Is there a oh, walk in the dark crystal? I've I've never seen, seen
2: it. Never seen it. Seen it. Number Mark four. On
1: that one. <laughs> number four. This is a famous coming of age film from the 80s. Stand by me. Stand yeah. by me. Yeah. Number five. This is a big like hiking movie. It's about a Nazi. It's set in some of those same locations of as uh the way back.
2: Stalker is a good walking movie. It's from the
1: 90s. Oh. It's a famous bomb. What? Wow. Stars Brad Pitt. What? The fuck?
2: Oh, oh, oh. Uh, seven Years in Tibet. Seven Years in Tibet. Seven Years in Tibet.
1: Number six is uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy collectively. Number seven is a movie from 2010. Why are we just reading
2: off this list of people we don't agree with?
1: Fine. I'll this is what like we do. It, no, no, no. We got we, we it right, number the seven. Yeah. Number seven. This is a movie from 2010. It's directed by a guy who was a big star back in the day and mostly occasionally directs movies. It stars his dad, who was a huge movie star back in the day. It has a very similar title to the movie we're discussing in this podcast today. It's about maybe the most famous hike in the world.
3: Wait, sorry. Give, give, hit me with the hard facts. 2010? Yeah. 2010. 2010.
1: Directed by someone who was a big movie star in the 80s and now mostly just occasionally directs movies that no one sees. Okay. stars his dad, who was also a huge movie star. It's by one of the more famous Nebo babies, who has a more famous older brother, who's a famous Hollywood bad boy. Is Sean Penn in this movie? No, but you're the right generation. It's about the most famous walk in the world, I would think. It's about yeah. the El Camino de Santiago, which is a famous like pilgrimage route in Spain. What is movie? And it stars Martin Sheen, and it's directed uh, by Emilio Estevez. I don't
3: know. I, I, and it's
1: called The Way. Number eight is a that movie... That beat we've The talk- Lord of the Rings? No, that's that's below The Lord of the Rings. Oh. Weird. Number eight is uh, a movie we've talked about a lot on this podcast today. About walking. North Arabia? Is it no? Fortnite Parallel? It's not Fortnite Parallel? We've talked about it quite a bit in the past three hours. Lady Bird? No, more. <laughs> we talked about it more than we talked about Lady Bird.
3: We talk- is it... Uh... Okay, from 2010. Wait. Is it one of the Mount Rushmore picks?
1: No, it's from 2010. No, it's
3: from 2010. It's about Why? walking. Okay. <laughs> That's not helping. The Way Back? It's The Way Back. <laughs> the way back. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. This is on the list? Yeah. it's hey, wild to, to me. Yeah.
2: I, I felt some sort of pride that it made the list.
1: <laughs> um, number nine is a movie I've never heard of called Redwood Highway. Starring Shirley Knight and Tom Skerritt and James scary. Um Number ten from so 2014 was an Oscar nominee. This lead actress produced this movie. She got a Best Actress nomination. I think it's the last movie she ever made. She mostly does TV now because she thinks Hollywood is sexist, and she prefers to develop. Oh no, she was in a Notorious Bomb in 2018.
3: It's that one with, um, with um, Reese Witherspoon. Yes, it's wild. And uh, yeah.
1: And then their honorable mention is Spaceballs. I don't like that. Um, What's the walk in Spaceballs? When they're dragging the comb through the desert. You know what's a better walk is Star Wars. Anyone get anything left to say about The Way Back?
3: No, I wanted my game for you that I wanted to find was best Russian accents
1: in movies, but there was like no list. It's Scott Adkins in Undisputed (laughs) 2, Undisputed 3, and Undisputed 4 this uh listeners don't watch the way back do watch undisputed two undisputed three and i would undisputed say why
3: i would say watch the way back
1: and i would say watch undisputed 2, i would say give undisputed it a watch but <laughs> i would also say
3: make sure you watch uh diamonds of the night if you haven't seen it oh that movie yeah.
1: rips mark you'd like that it's an hour long
3: yeah, yeah. I already do, like, it. it's I, so I, good i already made a note to watch it it has yeah. It has the most literal um, exercise of the coolest effect that's ever been done in a movie before. Ooh.
1: Yeah. It's also like one of those movies that's been quietly ripped off to such, such a degree that, like, yes, yeah. I think people don't even clock that this, like, generic cinematic technique was invented by this specific movie because mm-hmm. you wouldn't even think this is something that a movie would invent. Read it down, which is okay. lateral Didn't shots of people, like, manically running through the forest. I love it's it. in your brain. You're picturing it right now. Diamonds in the Night invented that look. Um, we will be back next week. Hey, speaking of Keira Knightley, we're going to fucking Kira Land, baby. Let's go. What is but it? You'll never what's guess. The, what's the picture? is set in the modern day. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss the 2010 film London Boulevard? London Boulevard? Never heard of it. Uh, Directed by your boy, Connor, William Moynihan. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, screenwriter The Departed. I'm just going to say sight unseen. Keira Knightley, Colin Farrell, William Moynihan. It's called London Boulevard. It's going to be a good seven out of ten. The drought is going to be over, baby.
3: I um, I have a feeling this is going to be not good.
1: or Otherwise, uh, I would have seen I it <laughs> by now. Believe otherwise, I would have seen it by now. I believe so. in the cinema. Um, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to plug anything? always a pleasure no always no, a pleasure you. I can't wait for you to be back I'm the a show. very this private person you are uh, Connor you want to plug in the Instagram
3: it's at above the title pod
1: Uh please remember to rate review and subscribe please remember to tell the friend Uh I really hope the strike ends soon happy uh, um, fair deal yes, for all
3: please. happy August 2028 everybody yeah. happy August um, well I'm as excited. I said
1: we are going to be back next week with Lennon Boulevard until then uh, fuck the AMPTP. and I'll the
0: I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh Lord.